You're listening to the Tuna Town Talks Fishing Podcast with Captain Paul Miller. Hello everyone, and thanks for listening. I'm a full-time charter captain based out of Ennis, Louisiana, and over the years I've seen some of the most incredible things, and some of my friends have told me some of the most unbelievable stories, so much to where I decided I would like to start a podcast. And now a word from our title sponsor, Blue Wave Boats. Blue Wave has been the number one selling bay boat along the Gulf Coast for many years now. And with over 50 square miles of marsh located out of Venice, Louisiana, it is essential that I choose the right boat to put my clients on fish. For the last four to five years, I've been using a 24-foot bay boat powered with a single 300 Suzuki, and it's been an amazing boat. However, over the years, I've also learned that I like to target a lot of different species that are near shore, so having a bigger boat with more power could help with that, which is why I've decided to move to a 26 Pier Bay powered with twin 200 Suzukis, and this has been the perfect size boat for being able to target multiple different species, especially because the boat has over four live wheels in it, which allows me to use multiple different baits to target multiple different species. With the flush mounted seating, I'm also able to maintain ample fishability, all while still providing a comfortable ride for my clients. With the step toll technology, I'm able to be more fuel efficient at higher speeds, which is also a huge advantage when making long runs through the marsh. If you would like to purchase a Blue Wave boat, head on over to bluewaveboats.com where you can find your local dealer. Alrighty guys, um, welcome to another episode of tuna town talks i'm here with uh captain sonny schindler here in bay st louis he's in and uh let me come out here and uh, see his see his place out here and um he's with uh sure thing charters out here in bay st louis he spent some time in venice as well um but i won't say too much i'm gonna let him kind of take it from here but um say hey say hey to everybody sonny hey everybody <laughs> Pre- appreciate you making the drive over man that's cool yeah, it's it's awesome, man. I've always loved to talk to a new fisherman, new guide. We've got a lot in common, so super cool. Um, but yeah, man, like, uh, where did uh, you start fishing? I mean, Sonny's got one of the you're the biggest charter outfit in um, Mississippi, right? We're we're the biggest in Mississippi. Um, probably one of the bigger ones in the in the northern Gulf, if not the Gulf. Yeah, how many guides do you guys have work underneath your sure thing charters? Right now, we have ten. Ten. Uh, with 11 boats one of them has two boats and an offshore and an inshore okay uh we've got this dock which uh kenny captain kenny owns this one and then well we're in bayou caddy right now and then we've got uh four slips under shaggies in, in the pass harbor rimmers okay. rimmers uh yeah, Rimmer, who also started Mexican Gulf Fishing Company, so yeah, that's super cool. Man, he did that right, too. When I went down there, I went down there, and I saw his dock down there at Shaggy's, and, like, you know, that's one of the things I always said that uh, Venice had over Cypress Cove was that everybody had to go into one spot. The fuel dock was right there, the fish cleaning table was right there, and the restaurant. So people get their drinks, they clean fish, they get the fuel, they do that whole thing, and, uh, yeah, I don't know if Rimmer saw that and wanted to make that, but he did a really good job of uh, having the charter captains at the restaurant. Super cool. Like, no, he, I think it's awesome. He did very well with that, and he he he's just been good to everybody. You know that that harbor, that harbor's still getting repaired from Ida and Zeta. Yeah, I mean that was years ago. Yeah, and he's just very few things you ask of him, he'll tell you no. Um, because what benefits us benefits him, and, and 
the people just absolutely love it. I mean, we host big events there, and yeah. just even if it's just a four-hour charter or a you know a, a, all ten of our boats working out of there, he he's he's always there to help us. Yeah, Rimmer uh, told me whenever we talked one day, he said that uh, uh, running a business is about creating a culture that people want to be a part of. And, like, he bleeds that. Whenever mm-hmm. you go over there and you see it, it's like everybody's like, wants to be there. The, the clients, the, the captains, the people that are eating, you know, it's it's really, really, really cool. <laughs> yeah, he, he doesn't stop. He, one one day I was chatting with him and, and we were talking about something, expanding something or the, the, the island, uh, the Cat Island house or something. And, and he just kind of stopped and said, man, if, if you ain't growing, you're dying. You know, it's like, man, that's <laughs> that was years ago. He told me that. I still remember that. That's weird, man, because he's t- he said several things to me that I was like, man, like a lot of respect for this guy. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. And he's, you know, it's funny because, you know, we all went to the same high school. Really? A bunch up. Jordan went there. Yeah. Uh, there was a bunch that came down. A bunch of guides came out of Stanislaus. Uh, you went oh, to St. Stanislaus? I did. Oh, yeah. wow. All like, boys, right? There was a girl's school next door. Come on, right, man. right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was all boys, but uh, three, three of our guides went there. Um, Rimmer went there. Jordan. Uh, there was a couple guides that came and went out of Venice that went there. D- Damon McKnight, his uh, his younger brother, was the great ahead of me. Really? Yeah, we uh-huh. had a. a well, take us back a little further before we get into, like, your high school days. Like, where, where did you start fishing? Like, uh, did you grow up in Mississippi? Yeah. The whole time? Yeah, I was, I was born uh, probably 10 minutes down the road from Bayou Caddy. Um, I, you know, I, I don't ever remember a time not fishing when people say what you're at. That's me too, man. Yeah, I just, <laughs> I remember fishing around here off the docks. There used to be a little shrimp dock over here and um, grew up. About half a block off the beach, we, you know, skied and sailed and fished. And uh, my neighbor, you guys sailed. You did some sailing. Yeah, no, I, I, I wasn't really good at it. I mean, we've got like Olympic sailors that are from here. Like, yeah, yeah, literally good sailors, like racers. Yeah. And all oh that yeah, kind of yeah. Stuff. World travel. Uh, I mean, guys that went to, you know, the East Coast and sailed for colleges and stuff. Yeah. But uh, I was good-ish at it. You know, the little stuff, but the technical stuff, no. But uh, so we did that. We did our summers. We actually went back to school for summers. Our our campus turns into this massive summer camp, and we all worked there. Me and Alex and Matt, who are guides that work with us, and we did fishing, skiing, sailing there. It was a camp. Yeah, it was huge. They still have it. My daughter goes there. What is it? It's a. It's how long does it go on? The June and July. Or? When we were there, it was six weeks. Six weeks. Six weeks. So we would live there all summer with like 40 of our friends and you you had kids had a blast huh it was awesome it was unbelievable i met my wife there really yeah 20 something years ago uh she worked at at, summer camp well she she, it was all boys back then so she worked at the water park down the road and the the boy counselors would always chase the you know the girl lifeguards there and you know she was dumb enough so that was like a summer job for you or okay so how old were the kids and how old were you so I I think we started when we were like 15. I remember I was driving. So it was 15 or 16. And 15 was driving back then. And uh, I did it all the way through high school, all the way through college. And then I wound up uh, graduating 
and like two days later, I went to work for the school for two years. Really? And it was a weird time. Like it was I, a school, so it was year round. So the sc- no 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 no. So the school was just like regular high school. Okay. But they have a massive boarding department with you know. Uh, a lot of kids from New Orleans, but they had a lot of international students. Okay. So, but I was off every day from eight to three, so I worked from three till midnight, and then you get up at you know five or six in the morning. It was it was a pretty grind, right? <laughs> coming straight out of college, uh, like straight like a day and a half after I graduated college. Yeah. And I graduated college in Costa Rica. Like I took a summer abroad. You to did f- a finished abroad. Finished abroad. Cool. Flew home, started work the next day. It was, it was a transition. Mm-hmm. What'd you do to get a degree in? Uh, radio, television, and film. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, what we doing right what now? What we doing now? More yeah. qualified than me, bro. No, I wouldn't <laughs> say that. The, the, the technology was a little different back then, but, uh, but yeah, I'd fish every day, and uh, you know, you fish or work out or do something, and then you were off on the weekends and the holidays, and uh, man, I. I my best friend Mike, he went. He he did the maritime route. He went to A and M Galveston, and one day we were riding through town, and you know this is Nokia brick days. I mean this is old school, and he said he got behind me, going down the highway. He said, "Man, pull off the road," and I was like, "Okay," and he stopped. And he'd been working on ships and tugs and working in the river. And he said, "Man, I I, I think I want to start a charter company." And I didn't really know what I was going to do. I just, I liked working with kids. I've always enjoyed working with kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but the job I was at, there was really nowhere to go for what I was doing. It was hard to to start a family and, and do anything like that. So we were coming up, it was like spring. And I, and my con, you had to renew your contract every year. And to was be like, the counselor at the... Well, to be what they called a prefect. So I lived in the dormitory with 40 kids okay. and a brother of the Sacred Heart. And how old were the kids? I had 7th and 8th graders. Okay. Wow. Those the rough shitheads. Yeah, right? they were, man, they, and they're, you know, they're all going through the change, and one day they're your best friend, and the next day they want to slit your throat. Yeah. Uh, but I loved it. I loved yeah, the challenge, yeah. and the stuff I learned doing that, it carried over into many, many aspects and, of my life. And so how long did you do that for? I did that for two years. Two years, okay. Uh, two years, and I did another summer at the camp. Um, and then he pulled me over on the side of the road. It was right before a weekend. He's like, man, I want to do this charter thing. And we grew up fishing together and hunting together. And I was like, yeah, why not, you know? I put away at the time what i thought was a lot of money probably what years was this this would have been 2002 okay so uh went and did all the started the paperwork and the physicals and all that junk and uh planned to take the test that summer captain's test captain's test so i went to the the original c school this is when it was in tillman's corner it was an actual school mobile mobile it was awesome and uh i actually made friends there me too, man. I did it in Bayula Battery, and I, I'd never even been to Venice, but I met um, two people that are still good friends of mine that are work down in Venice now. Unbelievable. It's, it's weird, huh? Yeah, my, my friend uh, Daniel, I bought my first bay boat from him. Uh, we still talk probably every other week, and that was 20-some years ago. Yeah. But uh, so when I finished it, 
This is a long story. Kinda. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So finished the test, drove back here, like pa- like literally handed it in, passed it, drove back here. A buddy of mine from high school was working with Tony Trapani, who who just passed away of Trapani's Eatery, the real famous restaurant. That's who Rimmer got his start with, was Tony Trapani, kind of working his boat down in Venice. And he called. I was coming back from Mobile, and he said, "Man, can you bring me to Tony's house? They don't want to leave cars in the driveway." Who so called you? The uh, Drew, Drew, my, my my buddy that was working with Tony Trapani when Rimmer left to go work with Peace. Okay. I said, "Yeah, no problem." You know, I swung by and grabbed him. I mean, I still had all my junk from being at Tillman's Corner for a week, and uh, I said, "Watch when we get there. He's gonna ask me to go with y'all." And he's like, man, just just drop me off. Get out of the way, you know. And Tony answered the door with the phone kind of pinched in his shoulder. He goes, hang on one second. He said, can, can you go to Venice for three days? And I was like, yeah, I'm packed. Let's roll. <laughs> so I didn't even know where Venice was. Yeah. I'd, I'd read about it and kind of knew about it, and Drew had been telling me stories about it. Sure enough, so parked the car, hopped in his. I mean, I had nothing going on. I had a couple, probably a 1000 bucks in the bank, and I went. And when we got there, Tony parked his boat next to Scott Avanzino, who at the time owned Paradise Outfitters. Right. And, you know, I'm a talker, so I went over there and talked to him, and it was a one-boat deal, and they were living on the boat. 32 Albemarle. (laughs) Yeah. And we went and fished that day. It was awesome. This This is how long ago it was, where... This would be in 2002 still? Yeah. Where Elf is, uh, the Insco 7500 was like like tapping that well, whatever. It, you know, the, it was an exploratory rig. Mm-hmm. And, man, it was just amazing. I'd never, never seen tuna, never seen Dorado, <laughs> anything. We caught all that stuff. It was just like a fun trip, no charter, right? No, no, no. It, it, it was just he owned the restaurant, and he had his own boat. And, and he was just fishing. Just fishing. And, like, we came in, and he had other friends coming the next day. You know, he always brought his friends and family and stuff. And he's like, man, there's no, <laughs> there's nowhere for you to stay. Uh, but the next day, he goes, I know it sounds crazy, but if you can find somewhere to go or do or whatever – the next day, if you come back, you can fish again. So I like got off the boat, drove back here on cloud nine. Don't think I slept. Drove back the next day and got there early afternoon. Everybody was still out, and Scott had gotten in early, and I was just hanging out on the dock. And he's like, man, where'd you go? I said, man, I went home back to Mississippi. He goes, you, you're the one that got the license? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, man, I was trying to find you. Uh, he, The guide, he, or the captain guide he had working with him, he wanted to go with another company. He's like, man, I, I need help. Can You want to try it out? I was like, yeah, why not? So I went a few times with him. Like deckhanding. Deckhanding. Yo, I was green. I mean, yeah. I'd very green. But he, he even said when I told him, I was like, man, I, I've been snapper fishing once or twice. I, I just kind of know trout that's all i grew up doing he's like perfect i'll train you and you're going to do everything the way i want it done awesome where are we staying he's like oh you're gonna live on the boat so we worked 
and lived on that boat. And we did a few trips. I don't remember how many, but I got hurt. I was unhooking a, a, a king mackerel and just stupid. Not got pay- the hook? No, I got the got the, the it, jaw. jaw. I stuck my thumb in his mouth trying to get a circle hook out, and it bent down and kind of sawed my thumb open. And the and the wouldn't heal. It got all infected. And oh, everything. I'm sure, man. Those anytime like you, I've seen several of those, and they they're always jagged. They're never oh, sliced clean. Terrible and dirty. So terrible thing. Yeah. <laughs> so I came home, and he'd gotten somebody else to kind of cover, and it it I think it was kind of working out. Well, I was running out of money, and I couldn't get back down there, and I was calling and bugging him, and it, it just it it wasn't happening. Well, Mike. The guy back here, he was trying to get his inshore thing going, but there just wasn't much here. There wasn't much business or um, both? Just both. Infrastructure I mean, and people, I mean, tourists? Most people don't think of Mississippi as a charter destination. Yeah, this was 20-something years ago. I feel like Mississippi still fights that stigma Every in day. some ways. I think they do. Every day. Yeah. Um, so I wound up jumping on a tugboat just to – keep my hours up and and stay somewhat in the realm and it was awesome i loved it you like working on something the work we did tripping i don't like i don't like the the long, long runs stuff, at, yeah. at eight knots or four knots or whatever but we were tearing down a bridge you probably came over it the jordan river bridge mm-hmm. so they tore down that bridge to build taylor reef right out in front of bay st louis but we were shifting all day like you get your orders first thing in the morning you'd have 20 shifts to do move this crane over here pick this barge up here and it was quick 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 and your day went by really quick you know you didn't have to sleep on the boats right and all the the whole time i'm calling scott like man i gotta get back i want to go back and he's like man just hold tight hold tight and one day i got on a one of the trip tugs that was going to pick up concrete over wasn't even that big of a trip but the guy was kind of just a jerk. The captain. The captain was, yeah. It was during the winter. It was low tide. Yeah. And. He was probably fresh out of divorce or something. Man, he was rough. <laughs> he was rough. And uh, we were crossing. We were supposed to go across the bay. And it was one of those days, you know, full moon, north wind. And it was just crazy low. Low, low, low. Low, low, low. And he goes, man, hop in. We're going to get these, these load of concrete. I'm like, man, we can barely get out of here. You, you're you not going to make it across the bay. And he says, my orders are to go get that concrete. Get in. And I said, I, you know, I'm trying to be polite. And I, you know, I don't scream and yell. You still you. are the captain, <laughs> no matter and what I, the orders are. And I said, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not going to do the work. I said, but, you know, they're backed up for a day here on moving these cranes around and all this. We can't. Physic, the physics is not there. We cannot get across the bay. Why don't we stay here and help these this boat? You know, because it, it was the boat I was on. Yeah. Why don't we help them get in the boat? Sure enough, we run aground. We sat aground for like eight hours. Yeah. And uh, it was so bad, I think we had to leave the boat over at the yard because we couldn't get across with the heavy concrete load. And he just sat there. Just sat there and just stared out the window for eight hours i was like man we, why don't we go back and help them i wasn't anything trying to be lazy i was trying to work 
He's like, you need to just shut up, shut your mouth, and do what you're told. Yeah, you're the reason. You're the karma that got us here. <laughs> and Scott Scott called while we were stuck in the middle of Bay St. Louis, and he said, how soon can you get to Venice? And he said, I, you, you're going to come, and you're going to be here full time. And I said, if I, if it wasn't so cold, I would jump off this this barge right now and get to you. And I said, I don't know. I'll be there tonight. He goes, no, 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 you know, give, give them notice. They've been good to you, but uh, as fast as you can get here. And I, I think I got off that boat and drove straight to Venice. And <laughs> you didn't want to wait. <laughs> I didn't leave. And I, I hated it, man, because the guy that, that ran that company, uh, he was really good to me, you know. Man, you just got put with a crew that's kind of salty or whatever. Yeah, but I went, and, man, it was rough. <laughs> Living like. How I, long did you stay down there in Venice? How, what was the span of time that you spent? So I stayed till Katrina. Um, so like oh three oh two, yeah till oh, five oh three to five, and uh, we lived <laughs> we lived and worked on those sport fishing boats, and at the time it was just me and him, and man he rolled he was nuts. So <laughs> you and Scott Alvazino and huh? me and Scott Alvazino. Man, and I need to have him on. I've heard so many people talk. Oh about man, him. he's he's so brilliant. Yeah, I'd and, love to and have him on. Like really, really brilliant. Like. Yeah. You, you'd be sitting there talking with him and telling just these stupid jokes, you know, farts and, and just stupid stuff. And then he would look at – I remember driving down, uh, making the turn on Marina Road, and him, him and Tuvi, Timmy Cuvion, so they were fixing something with a power line. And they're just sitting there talking gigawatts and megahertz and conversions and cosine and tangent, and I'm like, what? What the hell is going on here? <laughs> and everybody's covered in fish blood and stinking. And I was like, what are y'all doing, you know? <laughs> but, he, he, you know, Scott was great, and I love him to death. Uh, Did you ever run the boat, too? Or you... Oh, Lord, yeah. Yeah. I think I went on a little too early. Um, I was used to running outboard boats, little boats. I mean, you ran the boat too too soon, a little too green to run it, is what you mean? or Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was fine decking, dude. I I love running that deck. It it was so much fun. Uh, but he kept acquiring boats. So he brought on, uh, I think, a 33 Blackfin. And then we got a 32 Cabo Express. And then we kept bringing on people. So uh, Lil Hunter, we called him Lil Hunter. Caballero came on. Uh, Lance Walker came on for a while. Kevin Beach came on for a while. When he came off the the ocean liners mm -hmm. he was waiting on that grab to get built and he came with us chris dinwiddie came with us for for a summer dinwiddie came back we got dinwiddie when he came back from tropic star yeah um and he he kind of did some cool stuff like did you ever hear about when they had the fanatic the big uh mm -hmm. the big broward they had this like hundred and I think it was 110, maybe. Man, I think I do remember. It wasn't Al Walker involved in some of that. Something. Well, it was Shane Pesquet's boat. I had a friend a long time ago. He since passed away, but he went and worked with Al Walker, and it seemed like it was like on a, like a supply boat type. Yeah, I mean, or like I, a, it was like a big, big boat, like yeah, multiple day boats or something. Was was Scott and Dinwiddie, kind of partnered with uh, Pesquet when he had that big big boat and they just all they did was like three day trips to green canyon 
Mm-hmm. I got to go on the first one, uh, kind of the shakedown. It was awesome. I mean, we were shooting skeet off the mezzanine. It was, I mean, it was insane. And, like, we got off of it, and we caught marlin, we caught tuna, we caught everything. And hardly saw any boats out there yeah. get off of it. And I was like, Scott, what, you know, you think we'll, like, rotate in and out? And he's like, oh, no, this is mine, you know. you. This was a couple years in. He's like, you're going you're gonna to run uh, the day-to-day operations off paradise outfitters i'm going on this you know I, I worked hard for this and they did and they they crushed it uh how long was that boat there till katrina man they did a year or so with it mostly summers um but i mean it was it was it was a massacre they they slaughtered some fish yeah. uh i think they got a marlin every every single trip uh don't quote me on that because i like i said i wasn't on them but uh, we were doing the. It was like a three day. It was like a. How big was the boat? Man, I think it was 110. But it wasn't like a sport fisher? Yeah. It was it, a sport It was a three story, like, sport fishing yacht. It was wow. beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Hmm. I wonder how we got all that. Are you finding an investor or something like that? Well, it was Shane Pesquet's. Shane uh, Pesquet, okay. Yeah, with Crew that. Boats. Uh, I think he sold it, but he had Crew Boats Incorporated, so. Oh, okay. So he was, was kind of like a. A fun little business thing for yeah. him or something like that. And Shane, Shane's done super well with that redfish tour. Yeah. Um, he's just he's just a hell of a fisherman. The guy's he's he's still in it. I think so. Yeah. But uh, you know, the whole time we were doing it, that that was when like the Glacier Bay days, and those guys were just smoking us. You know, we we were twenty six knots on a yeah. good day. Yeah. And. Uh, these guys, you know, they're they're doing 34. You know, they're 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 rolling. And then the contenders started showing up, and the regulators, Hydrosports, and and they were like just putting it on y'all a little bit as far they, as you got an extra minimum two hours a day of fishing. Yeah, um, and and the, the getting the bait first, being there first, everything. Yeah, everything. Faster's better. It's still the same story, man. Yeah, <laughs> and the, you know the cats. I thought they they were way better than what we were doing, and I finally had a guy come in, um, Mikey. Mikey was still here, building the short thing, and he he had a friend of his that wanted to go to Venice, uh, Jerry Travis, and he said, "Man, when he gets there, he's just got some cruising boat, but he wants to get into something down there, help him out." Sure enough, he pulls up to Venice. We go fishing a few times in the big boats, and uh, he's like, "Man, this is cool. I want to be a part of this." I'm like, "All right." He goes, "Go. Uh, what kind of boat you think you want?" And back then, Twin V was was the big. They were the Freeman of the day. Yeah. And uh, they still make a cool boat, but yeah, no doubt. Freeman. I don't even think there was a. I know there wasn't a Freeman. There wasn't one then. No. And they had just come out with the thirty six. Kevin Hunter was was slinging them up in West End, and the 32s were real popular, and we got one of the first couple uh, 36s, just a bare center console, T-top. It was a beast, and we did well with that, and at the time, we had had a pretty good fleet. He was building. He was building the company really good. We had, you know, guys like Hunter and uh, 
and Leger. Is Leger still? Oh, yeah, he's still <laughs> around, man. I, I love that guy, man. Man, I love him to death, too, and I've I've tried so hard to get him on this podcast. It's it's it, he. I've probably tried on him more than I have anybody just because I know he'd be so great at it. Oh, man. He'd be so great at it, but he is so – like, he does not want to do it. Like, oh, I can tell. Man. He doesn't tell me no. He doesn't tell me no, but he does not want to do it. But. He was good, man. <laughs> but – so you get it. So, so yeah. Leger, Hunter, uh, you know, guys like that working with us and, you know, the occasional beach here and there. and, and Bunch of characters, huh? Characters. That's one of the things that I find – I don't know – why Venice gets these characters, but every person, I don't know if it's just because I know them fairly well compared to, like, like normal life people and stuff, but I really feel like some of the coolest characters oh, are down man. there, man. And, I don't. I, I guess it's just being around different people every day. I don't, yeah, I don't I, know what it is. I think you got to have that that personality and, and that, that goofiness and seriousness all. you, you got to have that. It's weird how different everybody is down there, but how similar they are. Yeah. Um, but we, so we had this fleet, and it was really coming together. Um, you know, Scott, Scott was screening all the calls. He was taking all the guys that, that wanted to troll for Marlin, and and man, him, him and Leje put up some some serious numbers. Um, big fish. Uh, I I dabbled a little bit in it but the marlin fishing yeah they they were good like they, they that's what they wanted to do that's what they wanted to do so in like little and i call him little hunter it's just, there, there was a, there was a kevin hunter <laughs> he's the boss man down there right now. <laughs> and he's crushing it but so there was a kevin hunter there so when hunter caballero came on instead of two hunters it was you know big hunter little hunter Oh, okay. I see so what you mean. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's nothing derogatory. Uh, but so he was in the quicker twin Vs, and he, he they were just ate up with the tuna. So they Hunter would, was, yeah. Yeah, so they'd roll, and, you know, we hopped around from boats a lot. There, there was one time when I was keeping logs, and I know I should keep them more, I ran 26 different boats down there. Holy cow. Yeah. And, and – one of them, I, you know, I remember one day running a Lafitte skiff into East Bay just to catch, you know, whatever lane snappers and, and small groupers and whatever. But, you know, that was everything. That was the, the Broward, the the Lafitte skiff, a lot of contenders, uh, a decent amount of sport fishing boats because nobody wanted to run those things. They're nightmares. 26-foot boat. Man, I mean, 26 different boats, man. I can't imagine what that's like just because every boat you get on has got a different problem. I mean, they all have their own Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, it's, but it's you miserable did it. doing it, you, yeah. You, look, you just I've did done, it. I've done some of that a little bit when I was, you I, know, I, I bet, and stuff. I bet you've done more than you think you did. Probably have, yeah. Um, But, so we had the guys running the big boats. Y'all still do overnighters? Not really, man, because they charge double the price, and a lot of times, like you'll you'll catch them like in the afternoon or whatever, you know. And then they've spent, you know, you, you cannot not charge them for two days because right. you got two days spent, you know. I hated them. They hate them. They hate them. They they try and they try and get out of them as much as you can. I, I, a hunter still does a little bit of that too, but um, yeah. But well, so they would still roll them. They yeah. loved them. Yeah. And then. uh 
you know, they, Hunter and them with the we called the go fast boats would run out to the floaters and, and knock the tuna. And I would get, and I still do it today, I would get the anything that bites trips. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So my, my run was usually L for Medusa. That, And I'm sure you all have more. You, but you know what I'm talking about, kind of those mid-range. Yeah, floaters. I know what you mean. Yeah, so, something not going to the compound, but you're not. Like, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'd go out there and give it whatever, give it a couple hours and then bounce our way in. But everybody was happy, you know, and uh, there were guys that all they wanted was tuna. There were guys that, you know, they wanted to come in and snapper and grouper fish. And it was, it, that mindset definitely carried over here. But so Katrina happens. Like I'm kind of wandering off here. Uh, no, I, I kind of wanted to touch on that a little bit. Like as, as a guide um, – I was listening um to a podcast um a few days ago and one of the one of the hosts was saying that you know down in Venice they got you know it's amazing how many guides don't know how to trout fish or won't trout fish and it's like I feel like a lot of people don't come there to catch small fish you know right and they try to put it off on on as the guide but it's more of the desire but you do you feel like the desire of the fishermen of the client um, has changed over the years? Oh, no doubt. It has? No. To you? And we're, I think we're partly to blame for that or to uh, take credit. Yeah. Um, I think the mindset has changed so much. Yeah. Um, When we came back here, so I'll kind of weave it together. I guess. So left for Katrina, stayed here. Everything got completely demolished. Where you're sitting, it was like 30 feet underwater. Right. Um, And then I kind of had to go back. The the deal we had with the Twin V and the owner and I, I mean, we're still friends to this day. They couldn't get the big boats out of the river. They were up in like Madisonville and they stayed there for months with all the trees down and everything. So they were running everything out of that Twin V. Uh, I think they went to Grand Isle and then went back to Venice when Venice started getting power and water. Mm -hmm. But they just beat that thing to shreds. They were running everything out of it. And the owner was like, man, if you don't come back, I'm going to sell this thing. So I went back in April. After Katrina? After Katrina. And, it, man, it was rough. Yeah, y'all had generators and stuff down there still we were renting a fema trailer which wow. I, i'm pretty sure that's illegal <laughs> but it was like six of us living in this trailer jesus christ right by elsie's you wow. know scrounging for showers and food and everything broken and you know venice on a good day is is not the easiest place still roughing it <laughs> yeah so you can imagine that and uh when i went back is when I kind of started, I'd gotten engaged, so this was what, 06, we were starting, our, you know, got us a house, uh, and Mikey the whole time has been building this business, and he's just killing me, just, man, please come back, please come back, we can do this, we can, now's the time to strike, you know, nobody's guiding, and he just wore me down, and I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm good. I've had about five years here, and I want to go back. I want to. I want to see my wife. 
yeah. or my soon-to-be wife. So I came back, and uh, I think I went back one more time for a winter. They they were long on boats and short on captains, and uh, it was the worst winter ever. I mean, it was the fog, no tunas at the lump, uh, wahoo fishing was slow. Tell you how crappy it was? Like, everybody gave up tuna fishing. It was it was terrible. We were out in Maine. What year was that? Do you remember? It was either. It had to be 06. 06, 07, maybe. Winter, winter of 06, 07. May have been 07, 08. Because I know I came back. No. It may have been 07, 08. Because I came back here. We used to close for the winter here. Yeah. I mean, we just didn't have the business. Yeah. So you'd close in November and open in April. Yeah. And you'd either go tuna fishing or tugboat. So we, we took down the Bay Bridge or helped with the tugboats one winter, and then I went back to help them. Uh, and I brought Matt with me, Captain Matt from here, and it was awful. But the coolest thing we did was find Kobe in Maine Pass in February. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like a week straight. We we caught a lemon cobia in Maine Pass in February. Yeah, still can at times. I I'd never known that. I'd never seen it. <laughs> but uh, and then we came back here, and dude, it was rough. Like you you see all the walk. Have you seen a person since we've been no, here? No, no, not at all. <laughs> There's no people. There's no. There ain't no walk up business. The casinos weren't letting us in the door. Um. Like they weren't they weren't giving us business, and we were begging them. Dude, we were hitting every sportsman show we could. Um, any writer, any any trying to build business, just anything we could. Any night there was like a fishing club or a bunch of guys sitting around drinking beer. That would because this is pre Facebook and everything. So oh yeah, no yeah. this this is uh, this was MySpace days. Yeah, I didn't even yeah. have a MySpace account, but. Uh, it just got it got a little bigger and a little better each year. What do you think helped the most back then as far as building business? Was it uh, – Grind. Just all the stuff accumulated? There, there wasn't, like, an article or, like, a person? Because, like, for me, I can attribute a lot of my, like, getting booked and everything to Mexican Gulf and also, like, Mark Davis. He's, like, huge. Right huge help for me you know um and building that was there any kind of like writer that wrote up a big article about you or anything like that i mean bobby cleveland did a lot for us um he he passed away last year gotten gotten a wreck but he was really good to us jackson's kind of our our bread and butter and he you know he's over the clarion ledger um, jackson mississippi oh that's where a lot of your yeah, clients come from to come fish yeah. down here. Um, no, I wouldn't say a lot, but at the time, it yes, yeah, I, I, I could see it because I mean, like I say it all the time, you you have uh, Mississippi's full of a state of people that want to hunt or outdoorsmen, and you know, for people in Jackson, this is the closest close oh, coastline. Man. So, but the 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 big thing we didn't understand at the time was our. Uh, our second home market over here wasn't coming back. I mean, this is fresh after Katrina. Yeah, like people were people were like, "Screw that! There's just going to be another one." Yeah, you're right, man. There was a lot of people after Katrina that didn't build back. No. Or, yeah. And 
but the majority of like downtown and past Christian is is New Orleans Baton Rouge people yeah and even though they you know they still go down to Venice and and Hopedale and Coquetry and all that man they it's easy you know yeah. it's 45 minute drive it's easier there's something for the wife and kids to yeah, do yeah man go fish or whatever or they can come <laughs> yeah so it took about five years of grinding before people started really you know really coming yeah really coming and we just slowly everything i mean we we were doing shows anywhere we could fit them in um any writer that would give us the time of day we were getting them down here um and we started grabbing guides here and there when we could we got a real good one uh out of chandelier well matt came out of chandelier matt used to run a mothership out there yeah and he but that is a good breeding ground for inshore captains. Yeah. Guys that have gone out there and worked on those boats. Oh, and yeah. yeah. And uh, he got a guy he used to work with, this guy Kyle Giroux. Older guy. He's you know a good bit older than us, but he'd been in the game. I guarantee you, Dad knows him. He's, <laughs> uh, he's just a good dude. But he had done a lot over the years. So he knew, hey, don't go to this show. Go to that one. Or you know this writer's good this one's great right um so when we got kyle uh mike mike was kind of toying with the idea of going to law school and he did you know he did and crushed it i mean he he so just he went from charter fishing to law school yes but he you know he's got a maritime how old was he Mike's my age, so he's... How old was he when he went back is what I meant. Oh, uh, mid-20s, probably. Really? Well, Mid to late? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think a few months into his law school, he, he and his wife found out they were pregnant. So, oh, well. Yeah. And then we're here running the business upriver. We were running it off a lodge off the Jordan because none of this was here. Right. Dude, it was a pain in the butt. You had to drive the boats all the way. Oh, up man. Basically like Venice, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, you trailer. I mean, we still trailer every day. Okay. Um, But then, uh, I guess around 09, when my daughter was, we found out we were pregnant, I met Dr. Don Gaddy, who owns the house on Cat Island. And he knew we had, at the time, uh, we brought, we teamed up with Kenny. The doc you're sitting on is Captain Kenny's. At the time, he was our main competition. And we kept trading so much work back and forth. It was such a chore. He's like, dude, why don't we just team up? This, yeah. this is just, this is ridiculous. Well, Mike sold the camp up the river. We were homeless. Like, we didn't know where we were going. Like, it happened overnight. Like, Mike, he wasn't a, a you know, uh a jerk at all mike mike gave it to us on a silver platter but he's he said the place is sold get out <laughs> you know so we came down here there's a there's an awesome storage facility right you probably drove by at the boathouse and we had all the boats uh parked there and then we'd run out of this dock but then we found out about this house on cat island well, we had Kyle and Matt from the chandelier backgrounds, and they're putting this package together of food and fishing and 
multi-day trips out of this just gorgeous, gorgeous freaking house. I was looking at it on your website last night, and oh. I, I've never really, I've never really been up close to it, to be honest with you. But uh, from the pictures and everything, I mean, I'm like, I was like, shit, people would pay a lot of money to go there. Unbelievable, <laughs> yeah. unbelievable. So we had a lot of help with. Uh, the tourism bureau bringing in writers and, and uh, you know, TV shows and stuff like that. Push, cause it was so hard to market because there's nothing like it. Yeah. You know, I think I think Tofiel, uh had the, the chalet in the marsh uh, when he was rolling. Um, we And, you know, we tried to use stuff he did. Um, but it was really basing it off that and the chandelier operations and – it took a minute to get some traction on that. Um, DMR was a big help. Really? There was no laws in place for, for something like that. Mm-hmm. So when we first started rolling with it, uh, and we, we do a lot with them. Uh, How long has it been going now? I think we got, I think we started it. Uh, so he just had the house and wasn't renting it, and then you guys uh, decided to like monetize it, basically. Well, he he kind of approached us with uh, it basically in the exam rooms when my wife was there. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's how you met him? <laughs> oh, yeah, with my wow. half-naked wife. Yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> uh, enough to where I almost got banned from the exam rooms. But it took us about a year to get it right uh, with money and, and permits. and like they, We had to create permits. They had to create permits, a market for it. Yeah, yeah, like there was nothing in place. Like when Jamie Miller was over DMR, Jamie was up at Southern when I was up there. And, uh, I mean, literally sat us down and we drew up permits for this operation. There was, you know, it was close to a chandelier-type operation, but... Uh, and y'all still run out of there a lot. Poof, that thing books a year out. Does I mean, it? it's it's insane. Yeah, um, a lot that, of repeats, people. It's almost all repeats. Almost all repeats. Yeah, because you don't see many advertising of it or anything. We can't. I mean, you you don't have to, right? You know, I, the our biggest fear is booking it with you know the Paul Miller crew and the whatever crew that's been with us for eight nine years. You know them showing up and they saying, want to. Yeah. Right. It's like man, you you gave our dates away. Mm-hmm. Um, so we basically, you know, I feel like I have a little bit of that problem too, because there's like so much promotion that goes along with being a captain, especially with Mexican Gulf. Like, you get a lot of new clients, but these people that might want to come fishing with you, they don't really know what they're gonna do until maybe two or three months out, you know. Dude, and I'm by that time, if, uh, especially a a good time of year, they're not gonna get you. And, you know? and as long, what are you coming up on? Ten, twelve years. For me? Yeah. Yeah, 10 years. But, yeah. I mean, um, fishing in Venice, but I've been a captain of my own boat since 2017. So, so you're you're at that point where I, I, I've, I almost really screwed myself because um, I was on the majority of the island trips. And all the people that got us to where we were on our day trips and helped build this company, you know, nope, can't bring you. You got to – and it's hard to explain to them, just like I'm sure you have with your other Mexican golf guides. It's like, look, I'm booked, but you're going to go with Billy Wells. And, oh, I want to go with you. It's like, listen to me. 
you're going to be fine. You're going with Kevin Beach or Billy Wells. You're going to be fine. No, I want, I want Captain Paul. And, right. of course, they would go and have a great time like they would with y'all. Yeah, there's a lot of people. Yeah, exactly. But uh, at the same time, I get it, though. Like, if I go – like, I went to the Bahamas when I was 18, and then I went back there whenever I was – I was probably 23 or 24. But I knew some of the same people that I met on that first trip, right. and they they remembered me. Right. And that's like – I don't know. It's a, it's a different feeling. It's a different uh, – like and it's a different experience altogether when you go somewhere you're not normally at and you have a friend there. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, it's no like doubt. it's it there it, it it adds to the experience whereas if you just come in with somebody new every time you come back, it's not the same thing. You know, no. you're not building experience. You can't reflect on that last time y'all went or whatever. And so I do understand it. Like I that's the point being is I yeah. understand the how why the client wants to be with the same person cuz I I'm the same way I feel like. No, and and uh so you guys are booking the um, the Cat Island House. What do you guys call that? Cat Island House. The Cat Island Experience. The Cat Island Experience. And I, dude, I tell you that thing. Um, as many years as we've been out there, we're still we still tweak it. You know, we still change the menu. We've had some people come and go. Um, do y'all have a chef out there? How does it work? So we so we usually designate people to cook, and Captain Kenny over the years. He's a good cook. He's just, he's just, we call it kind of Cajun country cuisine. But, you know, we boil shrimp, oysters when we can get them, uh, crabs, you know, a lot of fish and, and whatnot. But all big, unhealthy, awesome meals. <laughs> just a lot of food. My um, behind you. And, you know, every year we, we change up stuff a little bit, but I think... Just to keep it interesting. Just to keep the, it interesting. Cause for we, the people, yeah. I mean, we've got crews that have been out there almost the whole time we've had it. So Which is how long again? I think, well, the spill was, what, 10? Um, 20. Yeah. And we couldn't do anything then. So, at 11... I think we had our first cruise coming out in 11. Damn, so you're doing like uh, 10, 12 years? Something, something like, that. like that. yeah. Um, wow, I bet it is really ingrained in people now, dude, <laughs> the ones that use it. You know, we, we have little mini rodeos. Um, we'll bring the, you know, the, the fish prints yeah. if, if it's raining or something. How or many people does it sleep? So we do a nine-person minimum. Twelve's kind of the comfortable max. We've done 15s. I Depends on the people. Depends on the people. If you got couples, you can kind of do the 15 because people sharing beds and stuff. But, um, man, men, women, children, the kids and the Companies, wi- some companies. A lot of company. A lot of just, you know, groups, guys grew up together, buddies. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's uh, two-night minimum. I just feel like a trip like that, you can't, like, it doesn't really matter with the fishing. Whenever you do something and, with and, a big group like that, and, and you're on an island on a house, and that that is uh, that's something that we've been working on since we came over. You know, since I came inshore fishing, was the dynamic of the customers. Yeah. Um, back in '06, '07, man, it was numbers, limits. You know, the L word. Uh, how big, how fast, you know, we're back at the dock at, at 7.01 a.m., whatever, you know, yeah. whatever. And, and 
when we first got out there, it was kill, 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 kill. And look, we kill fish. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not. It's something that ever since I moved from offshore to inshore that I've like really, I've enjoyed developing a passion for it. But also, it's something I became very passionate about is providing an experience for people. Like I consider myself a fishing guide, but also uh, a guide. You know, like right. there's, I've been on bike tours with people and stuff that are an amazing experience. You know what I mean? Like, and it it consists of nothing about killing or no limits or or right. nothing like that. You know, and uh, it's it's fun, man. It really is, and, and and it's I can see that through the the Cat Island experience that you guys provide. Is like if I was out there with all my friends or oh, four or five couples or whatever, you wouldn't give a shit what you call no. it. No, and, and man, we got crews that would just bird. Yeah, bird watch. Bird watch, or you know, half and half. They'll, yeah. you know, we're going birding in the morning. We're going fishing in the afternoon. Yeah. Or, you know, when the kids come, uh, like me and Alex, we're the ones that still like to go do dumb. No, nah, I shouldn't say dumb. The other guys call it dumb stuff, but you know, we load up the big rods and take all the kids, and we'll go out to the channel and catch sharks and jacks and bull reds, and they. Love it. Love it. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. And then the dads, you know, they'll go out and trout fish or whatever. Trout fish or, you know, go drink beer, tell stories or whatever. And uh we've we've just tried to do whatever keeps them smiling. Whatever yeah. that is. Whatever it is. You right? know, if it's if it's get in early to watch Ole Miss play or L S U or whatever, you know, we may shorten this trip and lengthen this trip to try and give them what they what they came for and then still watch i mean we got direct tv out there it's awesome yeah you know? um watch pay-per-view fights and stuff and it uh some people just want to go and play on the beach yeah you yeah. know it's i said that before too like if somebody gets on my boat and they say they, they don't want to catch any fish they just want to go for a boat ride and guess what <laughs> we're going for a boat ride right. <laughs> but it it took us many years to uh to realize that you know we were so pre-programmed of kill 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 and and i think a lot of it and i don't know if you can agree with me on this but people you know get into guiding and they're fishing for like the approval of their buddies or the guys back at their the, own at ego the, a lot of times or their own ego yeah. and hell with all that yeah whatever whatever's on that boat yeah if it's i want to see a a spoonbill or catch a shark or catch a big trout or they tell you what their fun is right but i've also learned whatever you like to do is the type of client that you're also gonna attract yes so like if people if if uh there's guides that have developed a real passion for going out and catching a lot of trout like limits of trout like, I don't feel the need to do that because I feel like there's a lot of people that already do that. Right. Like, you can go find you a trout guide at any marina along the northern gulf. Like, right. <laughs> they're there, I promise, and they'll I go catch you a lot of trout. I totally agree. Yeah, but, and that's, but that's not what I necessarily like. Now, don't get me wrong. Do I like to do that for myself on plastics, certain situations? I love every type of fishing that right. there is. It's hard for me not to. But do I want to attract the client that wants to go catch a limit of trout every time? And to me, going and, and looking for one or two big trout in a day is is not what I want to do either. It's just not. <laughs> There's other big stuff to catch, you know. Right. So that and, and and I guess that's what I was getting at earlier when I when I kind of scurried over to you know people think it's crazy that some fishermen down in Venice don't trout fish. Well. To me, I, I think that that's a good thing, that there's enough of them. 
Like yeah. that people need to do other things too, you know. And we we've been lucky, you know. We got got ten guys that work for us, and not incredibly different, but yes and no, uh, different personalities, different desires, sometimes. different desires. Yeah. Like if uh, the majority of them don't like doing the 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 big fish stuff. Yeah, the shark. No, I've had the same problem because I I I like doing a lot of near shore stuff. I like doing the snappers, triple tail cobias, like all that kind of stuff near shore. I haven't bought a boat to do more of that, and uh, but it's it's a little bit more involved. There's more there. It's maybe a little bit more work, and I think I have a heart. Like I've kind of made a name for myself doing near shore stuff. And it's hard for other me to find other guides that want to. There's a few, but there's not many of them that want to do it because you're in a smaller boat in big water. You're having to buy a different tackle and switch it up. You ain't got the same popping cork that you had on for the last three weeks. You know, it's there's a little bit more effort that's that's involved in and it. Man, and maybe I, that's what I like about it. I and I, I'm <laughs> telling you, we we are diversified. Yeah. So you know they they closed flounder this yeah. this fall. In Louisiana, but I mean, one you're, of the best fall, flounder right. fishing years I've ever seen, and one of the best <laughs> spots in the world is right here in Lake Bourne, you know, four or five miles from where you're sitting right now. It's weird how the border is here; like you're yeah. kind of pinned in by Louisiana. But it stinks. Yeah, I would have loved to have gone and tried and pick up a few, but we fish for everything. Yeah, so it's. That was another thing. We when we first started back in '06, trout red, trout red, trout red, and then we kind of got into triple tail, trout red, trout red. Well, then the, you know started listening to the customers, and it was like, man, my kid's coming. He's never been on a boat. We don't have to run 20 miles because I mean we roll from here. Yeah. Is there anything close and big? We don't care what it is. Just just go bend rods, and then you know you got something in there we could. A yeah. couple fish we can keep to eat. And we're like, what, you don't want to go catch 100 fish? Yeah, but I don't want to keep 100 fish. So yeah, we kind of had to reprogram ourselves. Uh, and we still do it. I mean, we, we if we got crews that really want the meat haul and, that you know, we kind of feel Yeah, that's the thing, too. You still got to do some of it, you know. I no, don't. you're right. I mean, but it's also, too, like, I like whenever I got involved with uh, Mark Davis, you know, I was wanting to do, you know, this near shore stuff. And they're like, look, man, you want to do whatever you can do 12 months out of the year. You want to do bull reds because you can catch a bull red here in Venice, Louisiana, 12 months out of the year. And you want people that'll, that are coming and that's what they expect. Well, the guy that did it before me was David Iverson. And what he did was he made shows, a lot of them with Mark Davis, and he made it to where they didn't have an option. You're coming with fishing with me. We're catching and releasing bull reds, and that was the expectation whenever the client came. So he never, he never, he he told them well before they booked the trip that we're not keeping any fish. I'm not cleaning them. Awesome. We're not clean. We're not. <laughs> but but the thing is, is now that's the only client that he gets. Right. Because that's what he made his name doing, and that's what he wants to do. You know, me personally, I feel like I like doing a little bit of a mix of it because. I don't think that we should advocate to keep no fish. I think that it's important as part of our culture to eat, you know, eat fish and yeah. to, you know, Moder- moderation is a good word. Moderation, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. 
But I, I like what I like to do is taking fish and taking good care of them. I bleed all of my fish. You yeah. know, I, I bleed them, and then I, I tell people, you know, you can use the throat, you can eat the throat, or you can, you know, take all this fish off and then just eat the backbone. Like put the backbone on the grill as an appetizer. You know that. I don't know why I like that, but Man. I like to cook. But I like to sh- share with people like there's there's other ways to do this. You know. I uh, I gotta ask. I, I somebody sent it to me. The, the video of you cleaning that snapper. Oh, the red snapper? How did you learn to do I, <laughs> Dude, I've cleaned a fish or two in my day, and I felt like I had never cleaned. I guess for people listening, if you've never seen it, the, the YouTube video of you cleaning that snapper. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of the like eyeballs, a- too? <laughs> I mean, you cleaned every inch of that thing. Well, that's one of the things I, I don't know. I, I like to do is my, my you know, my dad, we 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 keep one snapper that day, you know, and by the time we got done eating it, you would, you would have ate the whole fish basically. And uh, I don't know, I I just enjoy that, and then I always, I don't know, I see people on the dock all the time, and I'm just like, wow, like I need to you know do better. And then that was kind of like a one-off thing. I asked one of my clients, like, can you just video this for me real quick? And Damn. I I took it all one take, and I liked it, so I posted it, and it, it went viral. <laughs> did Did you have some smart aleck like? Still left some meat on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like, if anything goes viral, you're definitely going to have people that, uh, you know, you didn't do this or you oh, didn't do it, it like that. I love <laughs> They'll keep you honest. But I I'd say for the most pe- most part, that, 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 that video did get a lot of lot of traction. Was, that was impressive. <laughs> I'll give you that. That was impressive. I enjoy cleaning fish, though. I clean my fish every day. And that's not something that the, uh, the, the whole Venice Charter Fleet – does you know they, they still have fish cleaner well they have the fish house there and so people i, I don't honestly i would say less than 10 percent of people um clean their own fish well that you know back to avanzino that was one thing because see mac the knife was still there when i've I was heard there. of him i've never met i him. was his neighbor i finally couldn't take the boats anymore and bought uh is rick is rick scyther still down there i don't know who that is no. hopefully I, I have I haven't checked on him forever, but um, I bought his old trailer, which was next door to Max. And uh, on the days like I I tried to leave Venice as little as possible. Yeah. Well, you know better than anybody. It's not close. Yeah. To here, and you you got another forty five minutes, huh? Oh yeah, it's about three hours, two hours fifty minutes. And I drive slow. I'm yeah. terrible. Yeah. But. On the days Mac would see my Jeep in front of the trailer, uh, I, I stayed at the end of the – it's been years since I've been back there, but he'd just go kick the door and be like, man, i got 20 boats out, you know, come down. you go uh, help him clean them? Yeah, i go clean all day. And I love it. Oh, man. And he, he, he would show you the best, fastest, and most efficient way to clean anything. Like that was one of the greatest things I ever did was clean fish with that guy. So he was really passionate about cleaning fish. Dude, he he was a machine. I've and, heard about him. I've never met him. And, you know, if somebody was cleaning next to him, you know, he'd have his Heineken and his cigarette, and he'd, no, 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 start on the head and work this way and pull with this hand and lift with this and turn with that. And, uh, man, it was fun. Some days it would be me and Brent and Brandon Ballet and Mac chopping up fish. And, you know, you'd, you'd meet all these people and get to hear about their day. Biggest trout I've ever seen was – uh, Brandon Carter threw it up there. It was like an eight and a half pounder. Never Jeez. seen a trout that big. It's giant. 
but you get to see everybody's catches and hear the stories and that's uh, why i think that's why i clean my fish every day because i i feel like it's part of the experience for the client as well um they don't actually like i mean they're not actually cleaning them but they they look and they see what what's there and they clean them and they or they you know they help you bag them but also they they meet other people that just got done fishing. Well, that that's the whole it's the whole experience whenever you're cleaning. Fish, that's where you know? I'm going with that. So, I, I again got off topic. But Avanzino, every morning we did the same thing. We did a safety talk, you know where the life jackets were, the radio. What you know what happens if Captain Paul falls off the boat? How do you yeah. get back? So we give them a brief. It's usually scare the hell out of them, but. Give them a brief tutorial, life jackets here, life raft here, you know, do this, do that, don't do this. You'd say a prayer every morning. We st- I still do it every morning. Every- That's cool. And, I, don't, uh, I, don't, I do the safety talk. I don't do a prayer. Though. Oh, yeah, every morning. And then, you know, we were dog tired. You know how it is, fishing offshore umpteen days in a row. Like, man, why don't, why don't we offer Mac, you know, give him a few extra bucks, buy us an hour of sleep. He's like, no, that's your last that's your last interaction with the customers, and it needs to be a good one. You're going to clean fish every day. Yeah. And we did. And uh, it and was right. To me, it is right. And and to me personally, I haven't expressed this, and I'm, I'm sure people will get pissed off for me saying it, but it's true, is I think a lot of guides would keep a lot less fish <laughs> if they didn't have to <laughs> right. clean them all. Because to me, like, if I catch 20 or 30 sheephead, that's it. It's brutal. <laughs> that's it. Like, that's all brutal. we're keeping them. But they, they, they have people that will go in a bay boat and go catch 600 pounds of sheephead and bring them back, and they'll pay somebody seven oh, bucks, eight bucks still, an hour. Y'all don't have limits anymore. No, for yeah, sheephead. No, they need, they, need, they need to instill. I think they need a limit just so the person gets satisfaction. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because like people don't get satisfied. If they're going for their limit, or you say there's no limit, they're never satisfied. No, you can see it now. They're never satisfied. You know when, what I mean? When they're posting now, it's like, limit a sheephead. <laughs> it's like, it's like right. great, great. Good yeah. for you, man. <laughs> you know? It, but no, we, we have limits on them now. Yeah. Um, no, that's a good point. I never thought about it like that. The guides should clean them so they – all of our guides over here clean. I mean, every, well, that y'all don't have a problem with it. Whenever you have – like in Venice is different. You have 100 guides pulling into the marina at one time. You know what I mean? Right. And they they just give them to the fish house. And the, those guys, I don't see how they keep them employed there. I mean <laughs> – <laughs> and then they sit there and clean, you know what I mean? Yeah. I've seen them come in with, uh, like, like you know, the little white trout, like that big? Oh, yeah. In the in the Mississippi River, they'll stack up, and they'll come in with literally two lugs full of trout that are that big. Oh, and yeah. And sit there and clean them We the got people time, that, that, that want to do it. But tell you what's helped us a lot is, is Rimmer and uh, Thomas Jennon with Shaggy's and the Blind Tiger. They cook your catch there? Do the catch and cook. Yes, that's but what I'm talking about. when you're out there fishing, like my whole day is, you know, kind of an interview and a and a and a. It's a, a podcast. A, yeah, and a, and a, right, and a questionnaire. <laughs> but you get you start idling out, like, man, what y'all want to do? Ah, oh, we'd like to go here, do this, maybe see something big, whatever. All right. Um, especially if they fished with you before, man, what y'all do with all them fish? You know, from. July, what? Man, we still got some in the freezer. There's strike one. Strike one. <laughs> uh, you know, we I can't it. stand that, man. Uh, I still got triple tail in my freezer from last year. You know, <laughs> okay. Well, and then it's, you know, where are y'all staying? Ah, oh, we're staying here. We're gonna be here for the next five days or whatever, because we get a lot of vacation people. Mm-hmm. 
it's not like Venice where, you, you know, you're there to fish. You're there. You, get out of there. Get out. But I'm like, all right, here's what you need to do. Where are y'all eating today? Man, we, we're kind of hoping you'd tell us. All right. Let's keep uh, whatever, whatever, sheephead. Let's keep about five or six sheephead. What? Well, yeah, you, we're going to get you lunch. All right. Man, you think five or six will do it? I was like, you got to have leftovers, man. A lot of leftovers, probably. Yeah. <laughs> and, and when you do, offer them to the table next to you. Because they love doing that. You mm-hmm. know, when they bring it out and everybody's like, well, we want to order what they ordered. And it's like, well, they brought their own. Share it. They'll share it, yeah. And they'll share it. But uh, That's fun, too. It's so much fun. We got crews now. And it took a while to get to get it right, but they just come just for that. I have people that do that too because they do the catch and cook at Venice Marina, oh. and it aggravates me that so many guys will they'll take their clients out fishing, they'll bring them back, they'll give all their all their fish to the fish house, let them clean them all, like and and do all that, and then they go upstairs and eat the frozen fish out of the freezer. <laughs> It's like, shit, man, why do you let your clients do that? You know, like, I mean, there's been a few times where that's happened, and I, and I feel so bad, but, like, literally every day, I, if I don't eat with them, I'll tell them that, you know, you need to go upstairs and get this cooked, like, today, because you're going to go home not knowing what fi- fresh right. fish tastes like, and that's not that's not cool to me, you know? No. I want you to know what fresh fish tastes like, you know? <laughs> we, we do it now. I did it for, you know, my wife's side came in for Thanksgiving, and my side came in for Christmas. We take the kids fishing. And it's, it is the coolest to, to show the kids from the time they hook that fish to the time they eat it, like how it works. And that, this is great. Wait, this is my fish, Uncle Sonny? <laughs> yep, that's your fish. <laughs> that's your fish, yeah. That's it tastes fantastic. so much better. Yeah, that's a, no, that's a huge, um, a huge bonus to the experience. And I, I wish more guides did it, man. I'm glad that uh, Rimmer's doing the catch and cook and everything there. It's oh, man. Cool, man. It is, it is fantabulous and we and we cook you know fresh fish at the island that's kind of our our big thing for the people is watching them walk that bag up the steps to the fryer and to the um you talking about the cat island house yeah yeah, yeah they yeah, do a we lot do of that, that for them you know somebody if there it depends on the time of year if we whack on some redfish you know we'll, we'll fire up the grill and do half shell and most of it's trout fried but right there's the occasional good flounder run out there where Kent, if Kenny's in the mood, he'll, he'll broil up, you know, a dozen flounders or something, but, uh, yeah, it, it's a big deal, man. It, it, you know, one thing that's interesting to me is you, you said that you earlier in the podcast, you said that you kind of had cut your teeth on the water by sailing. And, um, my younger brother right now is, uh, redoing a, a, a 26 foot, uh, sailboat and uh, he's been working on it for like over a year and a half now and he's <clears throat> just got it to the point it's like an ocean going small sailboat so he's got it like beefed up to like like Ooh. go like he's he's trying to go <laughs> you know what i mean and uh went sailing for it for the first time over the weekend and i had so much fun man i really peaceful. did it's so peaceful and it's so it's so relaxing just being out on the water uh, all underneath the you know no he doesn't have a motor on the boat it's he's got oar locks on it and stuff so it's it's very like you have to plan around the tides and the you know that that whole aspect of it you have to be really in tune to what's going on in the area and uh i, I just thought it was so much fun and i was like man i wish more of my clients got to do this before they came fishing yeah. in a way like just in because i feel like like people like us that have grown up on the water you have so many experiences on the water 
to where you can have fun just being on the water because you you know what that's like oh, just yeah. to have fun you, do on you the know water. what the you, know you, what I mean? you may get this because this is your neck of the woods do you know what the oldest most successful charter boat company is in mississippi Probably those uh, those trawlers, maybe the Biloxi sh- Mikey Moore and the Biloxi Shrimp Tour. <laughs> Dude, I've been to a birthday party on that thing. Was it fun? It was unbelievable. <laughs> I bet it was Unbe- with kids Dude, seeing he's everything got the that's dog, coming. The dog that brings you drinks and stuff. He's got a lab. <laughs> Mikey has got it going on, um, and you know they do it in between. Was it Deer Island and the casino? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I asked Mikey one day. Because uh, we we've traded stuff over the years, but I have a lot of respect for that guy. He's got this single screw wooden boat. Yeah, it's something cool to tell your clients to go do. If they oh got no no kids no! We whatever. look we we do it all. Like if they're here and they're like, man, we want to go to the quarter. You know, we tell them in the French Quarter, go here, go there, don't go here, park here. You know, all the way to basically Mobile. Like we're that's a big part of what we do is yeah. the whole experience from the time they get in South Mississippi to the time they leave. We want them eating at the best, safest places, going to the fun pl- you know, going to see guys like Mikey Moore. Some of them stop here on their way to Venice or yeah. on their way back. Um, anyway, uh, but I asked Mikey, I was like, dude, what can you not work in? You know, because they're so protected in that channel. He goes, lightning. <laughs> I said, 30-mile-an-hour wind? He goes, I ran one with 40-mile-an-hour gusts the other day. He goes, it was a little tricky spinning it. He said, but, dude, we roll. He said, if they book a trip, they're we going. going. Yeah, they're going. Man. And, you know, they put all the little shrimp and crabs in the tank and let the kids play with it and throw it back in the water. And That's but, cool. You know, it's it's just all about – same thing with Venice. Like, the – whether y'all, whether Mexican Gulf books them or, or, you know, Paradise Outfitters, you just want them having a good time. Yeah. Because, and I, you know, I thought about this, this is kind of a weird story, but where we keep our boats, there's a bunch of guys that come and go and hang out and, and cut up, and we've become really good friends with them. And this guy, Wally, he's big, big race guy, you know, Talladega and, and Bristol and all that. And I was wearing one of my Shore Thing shirts one day. And he goes, ah. Oh. He goes, I forgot to tell you about who I ran into at Talladega. I said, okay, what, what happened? He goes, this guy was dog cussing you up and down the motor speedway. I said, really? What did <laughs> yep. I do? In Talladega? <laughs> he goes, man. He, and Wally always wears our, our shirts and sweatshirts. And he says, uh, man, he saw uh, – Bay St. Louis or Mississippi or something. He goes, yeah, them, them MFers and blah, blah, blah. And he, you know, brought me out there and the boat broke and blah, blah, blah. And the captain was late. And then I I said, what? He goes, yeah. I said, give me his name. He goes, I don't remember his name. I said, Wally. This guy's dog cussing us. I said, that doesn't sound like anything we've ever done. He goes, it wasn't you. And I said, what? He goes, no, he went with so – yeah, I'm not going to throw a guy under the bus, but he went with so-and-so, you know, this Cracker Jack operation. And I said, did you set him straight? He goes, oh, instantly. And when he, he finally backed him up. He said, man, what boat did you go on? He go, and he knew the boat. He goes, it was a this color, this color, so-and-so. He goes, I know every one of those guys. Neither, none of them have a boat that color or that make or model. He goes, huh. 
this guy had been dog cussing short thing charters for a year. It just because, ju- ju- look, we were victims of our own, of our own success just because we had the biggest name. <laughs> he just he just associated Mississippi with short thing. This guy's been dog cussing me for a year. <laughs> he wasn't even with our company, wasn't with our guide, wasn't on a referral, nothing. And uh, I was trying to get the guys, no, I was going to give the, you know, give the guy a piece of my mind and probably a discount to come see what a real charter boat company's like. But that's my point. If that jackwad would have shown the guy a good time or even done the minimum amount of effort, he wouldn't have been dog cussing the Mississippi Gulf Coast. There's yeah. no telling how many people that man steered away steered from the away Gulf from Coast. The Mississippi Gulf Coast. Yeah. Because that guy didn't do his job or at least try. Yeah, somebody's thinking about going to Mississippi Gulf Coast and he calls his buddy that just been there. Right. And, and he's like, dude, you don't want to go there. Right. With these short thing idiots, yeah. you know, and, and – Oh, man, and this was a decade ago while he told me this story, yeah. and it still sits with me, man. That You know, and it, that that's crazy that things like that sit with you because they'll sit with me too. Like whenever, like, s- something bad happens or somebody says something, they'll, they'll, it'll sit with you for a long time. But uh, one thing that I feel like a lot of captains don't like about Venice but I, is, a, is another reason why what Rimmer did with Shaggy's is a good thing is if all the charter captains pull up to the same dock at the same time, if you don't catch much that day or, like, they talk not necessarily if you bring back a lot, but if they talk to somebody and they say, "Oh man, we caught one fish or nothing or whatever," if they talk to somebody that did catch fish or they do see fish there, at least they think it's co- worth coming back to. Yeah, you know what I mean. But if you just pull into somewhere where there's no other fish, no other people that had been fishing that day, and you know you had a bad day, then you're not you're not going to be as inclined to coming back. Yeah. Whereas if you were to see a bunch of fish on the dock that day, you know, it's like in Biloxi, every captain's got their own dock and their own fish cleaning table. Right. And that that whole sort of thing. You know what I mean? There's what, no like way like, to like it, let everybody engage with it. You know how like obviously the Mexican Gulf guys work together, but like that was that was some of the most fun was working with you know with all the other boats all the other captains, that radio yeah. oh <laughs> the radio oh, hilarious i loved it <laughs> but do, do y'all kind of what do you mean you know if somebody's having a good day and and it's very clicky man cuz it's yeah. like there's like you have your own company here and it seems like y'all are the biggest and the best or whatever um it's not necessarily a case down there in Venice for inshore anyways it's it's more like you have uh, a group with you know four or five boats or a group with you know and, and with the inshore uh, with the offshore they can get away with it a little bit more but i feel like with the inshore I, I feel like they screw up a lot of the fishing because if somebody finds like i'll know the groups of them because i don't really do that like if i if i if somebody books mexican gulf inshore i don't really tell the other guides like hey come with me like i found some fish over here like oh, that's come kiss follow of, kiss me. Of death. Oh, I hate that shit. Yeah. And people are notorious for wanting to do that over there. I don't understand it at all. But I don't. I don't really. I just say like, go do your charter. You know, like do your own thing. I'm gonna go do my own thing. But there's a lot of companies that one of them will like. I'll be fishing the same spot for you know three or four days, and there will be one boat that'll come and and see what it's like. And then the next day there's seven oh, of yeah. them, and all in the same company, and they're all in there. And it they. That's a lot more pressure. And the next day, it's not going to be the same. Whenever no. you have seven boats piling there versus one or two, you know, there's a big, big difference. We, I mean, we definitely don't have the numbers uh, 
Oh, the numbers of fish and the numbers of guides, uh, you know. Yeah, good fishermen. That's the right. bad part, too. Well, good yeah. Good fishermen. No, and, they, and, you know, there's. <laughs> Showing up live bait. They're live chumming. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Like and there, you know, there's days where we can put five or six boats in a canal not much bigger than this. Yeah. And we can work it. Mm-hmm. But then catch that, fish. then that one guy, you know. <laughs> and, I, you know, I always tell people, I don't think there's that many a-holes in the world. Yeah. I think there's that many idiots, uh, <laughs> and we, you know we've there's a lot of dumb people. There's a lot of <laughs> dumb people, but you know we've all had to learn, and we've all made the mistakes, and we're all gonna make more mistakes. But uh, yeah, and always try to have that same mentality when you're out there too. Is like all these people are just trying to do the same thing that you're trying to do. Right. You know? They're trying to have fun. Yeah. Trying to have fun. Yeah. Um. But so, where do y'all stay down there? I stay in the stratosphere. You know what the stratosphere is? Dude, I hadn't been back since, like, I think <laughs> well, 09 was the last time I was there. Kevin's camp, I think it was his uh, dad's or whatever, but it's, like, way up in the air. Um, but yep. we, I've stayed there for the last year. I, before that, I had a camper that got flooded in that storm. Um, Y'all are in Venice Marina or Cypress Cove? We're, like, in Burris. The stratosphere is. Nice. Um, but actually, Bill and them and uh, uh, Bill and Mike, rented out some of those uh, cabins they got in the back. I don't know if you know yeah. they put them in there. That was kind of where my old ratty trailer was. Back yeah, there. but they, um, yeah, there's a, they've rented out a couple. Of the, the, the problem with Venice is too, and it's like a lot of these really touristy places. I just got back from Colorado and they talk about it, but Airbnb's kind of screwed it up for a lot of um, locals, people that actually live there. You They're airbnb down there? Oh, yeah, but I mean, more so than that, like, you got a houseboat in the marina. You can make ten to fifteen grand a month on it if you put it, you know, rent it to tourists, or you can rent it to captains for five hundred bucks or thousand, you know, whatever the a rent would be. Not nearly as much. Right. So what happens to a lot of these places? And I've seen it, and and in, in when I went to Italy, and I've seen it in all these different types of places. They'll try and commercialize it, make money off of it, but then. The people that are part of the culture and people that are really need to be there growing relationships with people that's how culture's made you know it's like no, I get it. and they so they commercialize it and then it drives people to go live up the road a little bit in venice instead of everybody that works together every day being in the you know kind of like neighbors or whatever yeah. in the same in the same realm of of whatever um but it, airbnb's changed the world in a lot of ways i feel like no it's yeah, most most of our town right now they they call the the other side of the pass Little Metairie. You know, I mean it's Timber Ridge is the majority of it. Timber Ridge and Sandy Hook is pretty much New Orleans people. Now we, but it's a lot of Airbnb, right? Yeah, is that what's happening? But we make a killing off of them. Exactly, you make a lot of money, but I just feel like that does. You don't feel like that that it does something to well, the culture. The, the the problem, I wouldn't even say it's a problem. The the thing is, a lot of our culture is that new orleans yeah. that cajun country infusion you know that 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 it is but they don't it's not like they're coming here to live they they come here and then they go back right you know what i mean but i just I, think even, it's a different thing it's good for your business though it even is. growing up as a kid playing on the beach you know and 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 goofing off and you meet these friends and go skimboarding with them and you're like man where are you from they're like oh Kenner? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, where the hell is Kenner? And uh, I'll be back next weekend. And, yeah, you know, yeah, I had yeah. friends that would come in every weekend and we'd fish and play. But um, I, I, I see what you're saying, though. 
Yeah, it it's just this. It makes the housing price go up. No, so no, no. Much I, I, to I, the I, point where you can't you can't afford to like a prime example would be like in Paris, France. Right. Like instead of the person that works at the coffee house going and living upstairs, they can Airbnb it out for ten grand a month. Right. <laughs> no, no, no. I, mean? I, I get what you're saying. It's just a it's just a, a new dynamic that I don't think that um I, there's a whole documentary about it that uh, somebody put out about Airbnb and how they've done different things, but that it's also something I don't think a lot of people are really aware of until uh, I don't I don't think it's something you're aware of until you look back at it you know right. <laughs> years down the road yeah there's a lot of issues in the world though <laughs> it's probably not the worst one <laughs> I get it man oh. oh man coming up on an hour and a half um I was gonna ask you what how do you feel about the uh the new trout limits that are gonna be put in place in Louisiana um it's gonna sting but I get it. I, I know. What you think doing. it'll hurt your business? No. No. Like I said, we 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 are so diverse. It it'll it'll it, you we will feel it because you. But you guys keep Louisiana limits here. Yeah. You do. Okay. You just can't stop. So can't stop. Yeah. Like the state, you could if the casino wasn't right there, you could see the state line. It's weird. It comes from the Pearl and goes to Cat Island and then back to Chandelier. So we're we're kind of in this rectangle. Like, if you want to go south or west or even – we're pinned in. So, yeah. we, we got to do both states. So, we're licensed in both states. Um, but, yeah, the second you go over there and keep a fish – keep a trout under 15 inches or a redfish. Or if you keep one over 15. Right. You can't stop. Right. So, your catch and license has to comply with the state you're in. Okay. So, the second you keep that 12 and a quarter inch trout, you're done. You're locked in Louisiana for the day. When it's time to come in, you come straight in. You don't. You can't stop. Yeah. Like if the agents we deal with, when I was like, dude, really? What if I got to take a leak? They're like, keep the boat in gear. Nobody, nobody better be tinkering with a fishing pole or nothing. If we see you, if we think you're fishing, you're getting a ticket. Yeah. And then you know they're polite. They're trying to keep us out of trouble. <laughs> they're trying to do their job. Um. Get that. But yeah, and you know. It may not be a popular belief I have, but, you know, so much of these big trout get get the attention. Save the big trout, let them go, and this and that. But a five- and six-pound trout does not come out of the womb a five- and six-pound trout. Yeah. So I, I, the reason that they went from 12 to 13 and a half is to let that fish get a f- several probably another what eight ten months of spawning out mm-hmm. um and all the all the the smarter people than i am that i've dealt with your rebuilding is not in your bag limit your rebuilding is in your size limit how many times and look i never fished with you i've never never you know yeah obviously <laughs> it sounds like you're not big into keeping boxes of fish every day how many times do you go knock 100 trout me? Yeah. Not many. I mean, how, maybe like I could count it on one time, one hand this this year. How many times I okay I did that? Uh, fifty. How many times you do fifty? The same. Like I don't I don't do it a lot. Right. <laughs> okay. So you're 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 a good example. Right. Uh, how many times do you keep twelve and a half inch trout? I mean, I if if I have to measure them, I throw them back. Right. But <laughs> it, it my point is, you know, when when somebody's complaining, I can't keep twenty five trout. Yeah, I, I I fish more than most, 
I don't catch 25, 50. Yeah, we don't do it every day. I yeah. hadn't caught a trout in – I've probably caught 10 trout in the last three weeks. Now, yeah. I've done some terrible things to redfish and sheephead. <laughs> but, you know, that, that 13 and a half, as long as it's for the greater good, I'm all for it. We, we can't – and the other thing, too, we can't keep our trout as guides here. We right. did that. Yeah. And and you know I I, I I I wish they would move to that. But and I hear that I've been, like like I told you I've been listening to your podcast every morning when I go and do all my hours of getting ready for trips. Um, the guides did that. Yeah. DMR didn't come to us and say, y'all no more. Yeah. No more limits for y'all. We went in through our charter for hire task force, and y'all have a what. Charter Association. Charter Association. No. A well-funded Charter Association. Oh, yeah. Very well-funded. <laughs> um, that – I don't understand why y'all couldn't go to them and say – like, the way we do it – How'd y'all do that? Like, is it a law now? Yeah. Oh, it's a law now, but that you guys – I tried to get everything off the menu. I tried to get every fish off the menu and for guides keeping. Because there's some you can, some you can't. Like, I don't think we can keep our sheephead anymore. I don't yeah. think we can do triple tail. But I just said, look, let's just take them all off the table. What's the difference? And the 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 nah, they're not here to defend themselves, so I'm not going to say it. Other people wanted didn't want to fool with the redfish. Yeah. And whatever. But what we do is we just split it up from coast to coast. Uh, like I'm kind of the Hancock County, basically Bay St. Louis, Waveland, Pass Christian guy. So when it comes time for a meeting – I get as many of the guides over here on a text thread and say, hey, thoughts on taking speckled trout uh, limits off off the table for guides. Right. Majority rules. And it was overwhelming majority. But I don't understand why y'all couldn't do that. We, uh, and we maybe do we can. All. Maybe we can. I mean, uh, I don't – I have very lack of involvement in the Charter Boat Association. I just listened to the podcast with a president on there and um, – it was, it was good, and I, I need I need to get more involved in that type of thing. But I think that we have done some things, like the uh, the, the Mexican Gulf Fleet tries to stick to the uh, two tunas per person. Right. They throw over 100 pounds, and, you know, they keep like one a person. And I know. get it. You get that guy that gets on your boat, or girl, whatever, and they're like, they know every law, every measurement, everything. They studied it on their way there. Studied yeah. it on your way there, and you're the jerk for saying that's the law but we're going to do it my way even though your way i personally feel is completely right uh and beneficial to the environment and your future but that guy's paying that money you know a lot of money yeah it is a hard conversation to have i had to do one this year i don't ever keep the louisiana uh limit for triple tails five a person and I, i never keep five a person right i never have and uh he was like, I think they were small that day, and there was two people or three people, so I was keeping, like, I let him keep, like, three, you know. And he was like, well, man, we keep three in Texas. That's where I'm from. We keep three in Texas. And I was like, well, go fish back in Texas because, <laughs> 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 like, I'll let you catch a few more, right. but we're not going to keep any more. Like, that's not what you're here to do. Like, I, I got to come back out here tomorrow, man. Right. Like, <laughs> Get over it, man. <laughs> I mean, it, but it, but the the problem with that guy is he was actually on um, that guy in particular. I, the, there was another guy fishing with me. 
he was on the other boat, and he didn't tell them before they started catching him that he was going to cut them off early. Right. So he told them that the limit was five, but didn't tell them that they weren't going to keep five. No. And so yeah. then the expect and I and I tried to explain that to the client. I was like, listen, the only reason you're mad is because that was your expectation. You were expecting to keep five, and then the guy told you that you were only going to keep two or three or whatever it was, and. So your expectation was let down. But if you tell, like, if you tell, and that's what a lot of guys listening need to know, is your 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 clients need to know the expectation before the trip happens. Right. Of what they're going to keep and what, well, you know, what what's going to happen because that's a big part of it. I would be mad too, personally. Like if, you know, if they tell you one thing and then you, you pay for the trip, you go on the trip and then it, and you're on the boat and then there's an, a, a something else that comes up, you know, that's that's a that's not a good thing. That's not yeah. a good look, you know. It, uh, yeah, and you know the whole back to keeping the, like the trout, when they get on and and ask if they can have your limit, I'm like, guy, you you're already counting the last fish, you yeah. know. Oh nice. <laughs> This egret just flew up. To, what kind of bird is that? Is it, yeah, snow it's egret. egret. Snow egret, yeah. Two of them just flew up like Whoa. less than a couple feet from us. Good thing your dog is <laughs> out. Yeah, that might have been wrecked. He's looking at him. But, yeah, and, and the old, we got the saying, it's like, dude, you're already counting the last fish. We hadn't even caught the first one yet. You're already counting the last one. Yeah. You know, let, let's just go have fun. If we get to that scenario... Yeah, you catch two fish and they ask what the limit is. Right. <laughs> That's the worst. <laughs> There's <Right>. the last two. <laughs> no, that that uh, that charter for our task force, we hadn't done a lot since COVID. But, man, we did some cool stuff with it. We did stuff on sheephead. We got, you know. So what was it? Did you make it? Did you no, no, no. It was actually most of those Bluxy guys. Mm-hmm. I just went to it. And it's all volunteer. Mm-hmm. Um, we were kind of an advisory panel for the for – the, uh, for DMR, for Department of Marine Resources. And uh, it was neat. Pretty much anything that made it through our meetings got passed. Like, we, we got trout off guide limit. We did that. Um, we helped in getting limits on sheephead. We got youth records. That's a That's, that's cool. pretty cool, yeah. That is, my daughter had two of them. That's I mean, cool. it's awesome. Uh and then the the they the, it was well on its way, but the tagging program went. Uh, we didn't we didn't really have much to do with that, but the tagging program was cool. Yeah. Um, Back to the trout thing, just for a second. Um, there's a lot of people that believe that going up to a 13 and a half inch um, size limit on those would be like so. Like if you go catch a a bunch of trout and uh, a lot of times in Louisiana, you catch a lot of small 12, sure. 12 and, no, 12 and a half it. inch trout here. Yeah. Do you think as a as a charter fisherman that that would hurt it in some ways just because of the mortality rate? Like instead of you keeping those 15 that were 12 inches or you have to catch 30 or 40 in order to get those, you know, like those ones that you're releasing, are they, are they really swimming off? Like how do you feel about that? Uh... I just started tagging trout this year, and I get a good a good many returns on them. You do? Yeah. Yeah. A fair – I mean, if you're doing 10% on tags, you're crushing doing it. good, yeah. Um, the only thing that, that I, I think we get huge returns is we fish a lot of the same general areas. Yeah. And they don't 
smooth tone. Yeah. Um, probably need to ease up on the treble hooks, I would think. Um, especially, like, you can't live bait with treble hooks in Mississippi. Yeah. Uh, I get it. They work. They're awesome. But if you're in the business of, of uh, healthy releases, you know, I just it's just hard as a as an overall thing if they're going from 13 from 12 to 13 and a half like they say that there's a 10% mortality rate among trout like right. whenever you you're releasing trout but I don't know if it's really 10%. I would think it would be higher to me personally. Mm, I I mean I don't know. I especially small trout. They're less hardy, right? Yeah. I mean if 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 they're if you're gut hooking, I will tell you this. If they bleed it all, I feel like they're done. Right. <laughs> um, now, I, I also, I won't tag anything. If there's a speck of blood on I don't tag. Just, I don't get tagged. Yeah. Nope. Don't, don't want to know. I will tag them if, uh, like, the hook's in their throat and cut it. We we did a bunch of work with your, your guy who was on here, Angelo's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had triple tail that were, I mean, throat. Like barely see they the eye. Suck it up, man. Suck it up. They don't matter if you circle hooks and things. Get it. And <laughs> they would come back, you know, a couple days in a row, and bring the stuff, the the fish uh, that were throat hooked to the to the lab. And I'm like, did did whatever we nicknamed it, you know, throat hook or whatever. Or Jim Bob, he died overnight. And I'm like, no, they all live. You know, as long as they're not in bad shape. I feel like they're pretty hardy. So just cut, you know, cut the line. Don't the second you start wailing on those things, especially if, if it's touching gills or anything, yeah, the, you're gonna you're gonna whack them. Yeah. Um, if it's just a cheap little kale or live bait hook, cut the hook. Throw it back yeah. in, man. Yeah. Um, most people, you know, I know I roll with big bag boxes of hooks. <laughs> um, I cut them all the time. Yeah. Just cut them off, yeah. But. No, it, it, yeah, but if if the if the ends justify the means, I'm for it. Yeah, I don't like it, but I'll respect it. You yeah. know, it's it is what it is. My whole thing is is a lot of the conversation around conservation and uh, protecting our species goes into um, stricter limits and uh, like less bag limits. You know, higher, and I don't. I'm not gonna say that that doesn't help. Because it does, obviously. If you take less out of the water, it does help. But I, I, w- I really wish, and I talk, I mean, if you listen to the podcast, you probably know that I think we should push to try and make the habitat better than what it is now or what it was 20 years ago. Because if everybody would be on that move, the, the second that they start taking fish away from you, they're not going to give it back. Right. Whenever they ever said, like, oh, you know what, guys? <laughs> like, the redfish are doing good. Snapper are doing good. We're going to go up on the limit this year. It's never happened. So once they once they end up taking it from you, now let me get this right. Like, 15 trout is not a, a – a, a, I mean, that's a fine limit. To me. Sure. Like, that's, that's fine. Like, yeah. By all means, I feel like that's kind of outdated. The 25 trout, I mean, like, that's way too much to sure. me. That's just way too much. But I do think if we had as much people – like, th- there's a lot of people out there that, that think we need to put more funding towards uh, stock assessments and things like that. Like, to put a biologist at every boat ramp along the Gulf Coast and to count how many fish are coming out of the water. I just think that's such a lack of effort if we could do 
something like make more habitat for these fish instead of trying to put so much concentration on restricting limits and counting the amount of fish that are there and that are being taken i think we need to start putting more efforts and, and i know there's a lot of laws it's not as easy as, right. as it is just to restrict something but sometimes what's best isn't necessarily the easiest and I just really believe that. Like, what do you think about what I'm saying? Because sometimes I feel crazy talking like that. I really do. Because there's I, not anybody else that talks about it like no, that. No, and, and like at the task force meetings and stuff, at, at, at the end of them, it was any new business, any new proposal. And I, it was kind of a joke. Like, I would always end with more reefs. What we got to do to get more reefs? I was trying to figure. <laughs> and look, Mississippi's. Not just reefs, fads. Fad, it, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Mississippi is doing exceptional with the, with the amount of reefs and structures uh they got really good fish havens out past the barrier islands those are good for snapper i don't think you could i don't think you could do enough uh as far as you know shells in close rocks out a little further fish havens further than that rigs out past that um and I, I don't see who could be against it. You know, if it's if it's growing coral, bringing in barnacles, bringing in bait fish, bringing in sea turtles. The shrimpers. <laughs> right, but look. They're against it. Man. Sure, they sure, are. but there's a ton of water. Yeah. And I'm not, look, I'm, anybody making their living off the water, hats off to you. But let's designate zones like, like Alabama does. Yeah. And if, if you pull your, your shrimp net through that, well, I think there's Sayonara. a big thing, you know, like if if a rig isn't um, if a rig isn't producing oil in two years, the Idle Iron Project says that they have to go and take the rig out, right? Because it's a standing structure, somebody's got to be liable for it. But I really wish that we could have some of these laws get changed to where you can have standing structures um, for fish, you yeah. know. And that's a huge that would be a huge law that would that that. That'd be a so, very hard thing to do. So know. two two things on that. So we went to the I think it was the Idle Iron, one of them in New Orleans, one of the meetings, and they had everybody get up and you know the divers and the corals here and and the oil field saying you know y'all got us doing this and every it was a bunch of pro and con and for and against and all this and the last guy to get up was this token Texas oilman with you know the the big buckle and the alligator boots and big old hat and he says my name's whatever whatever and i'm from you know so-and-so texas and and i own this field out in block so-and-so and and i own whatever it was 30 rigs y'all can have every one of them he said they you know they quit producing and i would give them to you for free you can have every one of them and everybody's kind of quiet and i was like here we go that's pretty cool and he goes and he got in one guy's face. I don't remember who it was. And he says, but when your grandson or your son or daughter smashes into that sucker at, at 2 in the morning coming back tuna fishing, that's your responsibility. Or when your buddy is on that charter. Be. Right. And he says, your problem's not with me. Your problem's with the law. Change the law. You can have all the damn rigs you want. And I, I think it's just a matter of, of a politician willing to get a little dirty. 
Yeah, how can we do that though? How can we find a, a, a politician that would be willing? I don't, I don't know how that would happen, but I, I've been very aware of that. That that right. is the law. Like sure, if, they're victims but, of circumstance. But does that really happen? Like if some, like if I go decide to run my boat at night and go smash into a rig, can yeah. I really go get money from? They these had people? one that whacked a, a a standby buoy when I was down there. He did what he cleaned up. He yeah. got some money. He got some money. But it it, it needs to be a pile. And who wouldn't vote for that guy? You know that that stood up there and said, "Look, we're leaving all these rigs. One, leaving all these rigs and taking away responsibility from the oil field. One, the oil field's saving a ton of money. Yeah, if they need it. Uh, <laughs> two, the fishermen get to fish. Yeah, so it seems like a win-win for everybody. And the shrimpers haven't shrimped there for years already. Right. You know, it's it's just like like the Sandy Point, all the rigs out there, triple tail trout. It's hard for me to believe that those rigs did not make more trout. It's right. hard for me to believe that. Um, from the amount of people and the amount of fish that they took off of them, it's hard for me to believe that they didn't contribute to the ease of those fish living at any point in time. It had to have. And we took all those out. Ugh. We put them there. We put them there as people, and we took them all out as people. Well, us as people, to me, believe that we can put them back again for fish. And how much better could you make these rigs? Oh, yeah. If you made them for fish, not for not for not for oil, right? You know, you put like like they're having right now. They're doing all the oyster farming out here. I'm sure you've seen a lot of that sure. around Deer Island and stuff. And I think that that's good. But you could also make, to me, you could make like a fish, like a fad that had the the, the oysters there. The oyster people come and and mess with the oysters, and then you could have. I mean, there's just all different types of like things that I think you could do. Every everyone they've put in here. So they put in Taylor Reef. That would have been the first. 02, I think, was the first one. And then, of course, they had all the material for Katrina Yeah. that they blanketed the coast with. Every one of them produces fish. Every single one of them. Now, some days better than others, but for the most part, if you can get on those reefs and it's not rough or, you know, we don't get a spillway to whack us, um, they are fishy as all get out. Completely changed the game on how we fish. Yeah. I uh, mean, like, what do you not – what do you fish that's not, like, a structure of some sort? Right. Maybe some grass beds, you yeah, know? Yeah, I mean, there's some <laughs> – you're right. No, Like, I mean, especially, like, certain areas, like in, like, uh, Pascagoula or Biloxi, you know what I mean? Like, you're fishing piers, you're fishing yeah. – bridges oyster with tons of oyster leases over here yeah um i mean there's got to be something hard there you right know? it seems like it yeah because it's pretty barren uh it's pretty dead yeah. muddy nasty bottom but there's one interesting side to it as is like uh like for triple tail for instance like i i have it in my mind like we should just put fads everywhere and we'd have more triple tail well would you maybe i i think maybe for i mean i don't know but some species, maybe it would make more of them. But also, would it just attract more of them? Would we have more harvest? Because that's, that's where the – I just did a, a podcast with uh, Dr. Jim Franks. And oh, nice. And that's been the whole debate, you know, for a lot of his career. And I, and, and they're never going to prove it, I don't think. Um, but we could all agree that like, structures make more fish. But And, and a, lot of the, a lot of the scientists believe that they just attract more fish. So you you have more harvest but not more production, you know. That's uh, what they. I mean, that's what they believe. That. <laughs> but that's what I mean. That's the other side to the argument. You know what I mean? Right. 
is if we put more fads and we put more structure out there, we're just going to have more harvests. And it, 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 it and to fishermen like me and you, that makes no sense. No. It doesn't. But so what? <laughs> that, that's my, I mean, honestly, <laughs> let's put out so many that we, we will prove you wrong. Yeah. You know? Like, what if we had a trillion dollars of funding? Like, literally, like, and it seems like they throw a trillion dollars around like it's nothing on the news. Right. <laughs> but seriously, like, if you had a, a substantial amount of money, could you could we as humans make more fish than what we previously had? I think the answer is yes. Yeah. We put men on the meat. We can send video through the air. No. I mean, it's... <laughs> I, honestly, I, I don't understand why there's not barges and tugs throwing rocks and steel and, and you know, non non-pollutant... Uh, Nothing harmful to the environment, but limestone, and I don't understand why. I think oysters. things that comes all the way out of the water. I think that stuff on the bottom is good, and, a, and, a, and there's definitely a place for it, and they're doing a lot of it for snapper and the fish havens and stuff. But what if they had a bunch of buoys around the fish yeah. havens? Or what if instead of having 10 channel markers going out of channel, why not have 30? <laughs> You know, <laughs> like, yeah. like, why not make them concrete instead of wood or like, you know, there's just, I don't know. I don't know if there's, I mean, cause that, that's one thing to me is like the channel, like you have to have the channel anyways. Right. It's a great fishing area. Everybody fishes channels. Right. Anybody fishes a channel marker for anything from cobia to triple tail to trout to, you know, whatever. There's just, it just, it just seems like there's so much more that could be done as far as making fads, you know, and, uh. I don't know. Hopefully, people don't think I'm crazy. No, I, I mean, jeez, how could uh, I don't understand how it it couldn't be more understood and utilized. You know, the, I just don't understand why that's not the center of conservation talk and why limit changes are. Like right now, there's people in Louisiana that are saying like redfish are at all time low. We need to, you know, restrict limits and like that's the that's that's the talking point like that's what that's the hot topic is restricting limits it's not let's see what we can do to build it back better right you know what i mean and it's i i, w- I hope it does become the center of uh of its of, of the conservation yeah. talk you and know? you know hopefully there'll be some politician that it's a safe bet if they just say well that's what the law is and my hands are tied you know that's you're basically being uh it's an old law right right you know what i mean like if you hit something if you hit something in today's day and age with all the technology and stuff that we have access to that is on you right (laughs) to me and and look times times change we used to be able to smoke in airplanes yeah i mean they change used to smoke my my grandmother was a it was a nurse, and she smoked in the hospital. In the hospital, right? The hospital. Times change. <laughs> Let's change with them. Yeah, you know, yeah. it, it's 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 inevitable. Why not? Yeah. Why not leave it better than we found it? You know. Yeah. And uh, and a big part of and and I know I'm I'm rambling on about this, oh but man. a big part of my um, idea behind this is just like you have the the experience in um, cat the cat island experience. Why can't we find like why can't we buy the seven mile rig? Mm-hmm. Put a camp out there. You know what I mean? Like, oh, like a, a like if you had a lot of money, like I I don't I mean I always think about it. if you had a lot of money, what would you do with it, right? To me, I would like to have a camp out way out in the middle of the Gulf with my boat in the lift, and I could fly my helicopter out there 
to go, you know, use That's it. That's a fish. stretch, Paul. <laughs> it is a no. It is it is a stretch. But if you were a billionaire, there's people that are are spending yeah, I mean, private people that are spending money to to go up in the air on their own, right? Right, and they're doing this. But if you had a lot of money, and instead of buying a diesel burning yacht that, in some people's minds, makes the world a, a worse place because right. it's, but you're. And it's just like buying a big piece of property and making it and, and farming it for big deer. Right. Like people will buy a big piece of property and then they'll they'll do things to it to make more ducks and more deer on it. But if somebody could buy I don't maybe not buy a rig that's already there, but go build their own and build their own big camp and put oyster farms on the top of it or whatever. You you yeah. can do different things, but you're you're making something that's making a reef which is making the water a better place. I know it's a stretch. That's why people, you know, I'm saying like afraid people will call me crazy, but the laws don't facilitate that. You can't have that. I don't think you can just go buy a rig because then you're there's lot you're liable for it, right? Anything like that. Nobody wants that type of liability to pay for somebody's income for the rest of their life. You know. <laughs> right. No, I mean, that's that's a dream. It is. It <laughs> that's is serious. A dream. Yeah. No, it is. Yeah. They, uh, I do like those mothership, those, uh, the, the big supply boats with the yacht on the back. Oh, yeah, dude. Don't that's get me wrong. Cool. That's super cool, too. Super cool, too. But, uh, I don't know. That's just a, I don't know. I, I think that would be a lot of, a lot of fun if you, if you were a person that had that kind of money that could do something like that. Like, yeah. what all could you act, what, what could come of that? And I think they even have one out in uh, South Carolina called the Frying Pan. You ever heard of that place? Maybe. It was like an old Coast Guard station or something. Something like that. It might like have that. been an oil rig. It might have yeah. been an oil rig. But they, they do have s- something like that out You there. could probably pull it off maybe in, in another country, but then you got to deal with all. <laughs> I don't know. We, 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 we're both getting spread then now. No, yeah, one. we are. Long, long tangent for sure. <laughs> We're coming up on two hours right now. Really? <laughs> yeah. It <laughs> doesn't seem like it, huh? Man. <laughs> Got carried away. But, um, uh, man, what's, like, one of your most prized catches around here? Or in Venice, your lifetime. Like, what's your one of your most prized? Uh, it kind of it goes back to, to tagging. You've gotten big into tagging. It's something I want to get more into. Dude, I – What I, you got? Honestly. So, and – I wouldn't say I'm that involved in fisheries management. I've been to a few meetings. I used to do stuff with the Gulf Council. Um, maybe more than some, uh, less than some, I don't, whatever. But the tagging is something anybody can do. Whether you're fishing off this dock today or you're running down in the West Delta tomorrow, you know, all these guys that get on these forums and, 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 you know, we need to do this and we need more laws for this and they need to be this many inches or you keep this many fish. All right, that's great. But here's something you can actually do and get cold, hard data because um, that's all it is. It's, it's Most of these laws and rules are based off available science. Well, here's something you physically... Paul Miller can do, uh, and it helps with releasing fish. Like, I've got charters now, and all they want to do is tag fish. They've gotten a few returns, you know, and, and they send you. Uh, so so what you do, you go either go through a group like Tag Louisiana, 
Pat Fitzmorris, shout out. Yeah, <laughs> and I did a bunch with them, man. I, 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 I had a role going with them. When when they were redoing their, their site, uh, GCRL, Gulf Coast Research Lab, over there in Ocean Springs, they got their program up, and they were they needed a little boost or people getting involved. And I, I just – I'm telling you, you get addicted to it. I could see it, man. I can and see it because I, the few that I've got, like I caught a few tag triple till this year, and the the tags that you, you whenever you get them back, it's like super freaking cool. Oh man, <laughs> it really just is. to see and and sometimes it it's my buddies, you know, it's some of my friends over in Gulfport tagging them and they come over here. Or, uh, but you get a system down, you know. I keep all my stuff in one box, you know. Write write redfish on the cover of the book. Um, now, when you get started in it, especially, and I'm pretty sure Tag Louisiana and GCRL, um, they start you out small because everybody thinks they want to do it, and you, you get sidetracked or you forget about it, or you know you're either not catching a lot that day or they're coming in quick and you're not prepared for it. Um, anytime I'm I'm getting my boat rigged in the morning, I put my box right there, right by my front captain seat. And I'm ready. So whether we're tagging bulls or rat reds or trout, and and it helps, man. It really got to be quick. Got to be quick. But once you get that system down, um, man, I move, I move fast. And and people at the end of the day, they're like, man, we must have tagged ten fish. You know, I'm like, man, we tagged twenty five. So like you catch, so like you catch the fish, and what's the process? You got to take it off the hook. Correct. So, take it off the hook. I measure it first. Then uh, I'll have my, my box ready. You load the stick into the needle, pop them kind of in that back quarter. And it's very important to keep a good needle. I learned that one the hard way. You drop it a few times or let a kid play with it and <laughs> they bend it. Yeah. You want that sucker razor sharp. It goes yeah, right it helps, in, right? Yeah. goes right out. And the whole process, when you got everything lined up, man, I can do it in like 20 seconds. And then, so whenever you release them, what do you record? So you're doing date, location, uh, length, condition, and angler's name. And then if you really want to get real fancy, you do address. My tag book is registered to me, or my tag books. So anytime anything I tag gets... Uh, recaptured they'll they come straight back to me so here's a here's your little pro tip of the day i don't like bugging customers like you know buy now you know book your trips i I just think it's tacky i think we have a good product it sells itself but i also like giving them stuff so when that fish gets recaptured there's a good reason to touch base with you know, I had one get caught from two years ago, a uh, week or two ago. Somebody I hadn't seen or heard from, I got there. I, I can always find them by the date and then my, my Google calendar. So I went back and said, hey, man, remember that trip so-and-so? One of the fish got recaptured. Oh, unbelievable, man. How you been? I'm, I'm coming back through in spring. Get me a date. I'm like, all right, there you go. So it lets you reconnect with your customers. It gives you a reason to call them back. Call them back. Yep. 
without bugging them. Like, hey, you know, that's you. that's something that I, I would whenever I first started doing this is something that I, I like to do. Is, you know, of course they have a lot of automated stuff with Mexican Gulf, but you know, I you you, you talk to them before the trip, you you talk to them on the trip, and then I would always follow up and give them a call like sure. a week later or something I always how send them fish. their pictures yeah you know, um, it's something i've kind of gotten away with away you know away from just because I, I get so busy like no, no, you have no, so I, many people I calling it, and all and wait, I'm wait till you have groups. kids yeah <laughs> well and too like if somebody books mexican gulf inshore like if we have five boats i'm dealing with all the groups that's on you know it's oh. me so that's 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 a lot a lot of moving around for me so i've kind of gotten away with that but away from that but i i do see what you mean by that like if you have recapture you have to call them back sure and then get some thinking about fishing and, and, again. and they're gonna take that recap it's just like shooting a banded duck they're gonna take it maybe put it on their fridge or in their office or in their trophy room or whatever and every time they walk past that they're gonna see it and then like the stuff i brought you today they miss diane sends them a magnet a koozie and i think there's a sticker in there somewhere yeah um you know, or they put that on their ice chest or their their truck or whatever or in their shop. It's like a souvenir. Like a souvenir. But every time they see it, they're like, man, I remember catching that triple tail with Captain Paul. Yeah. Have you had any, like, crazy stories, like like ones that, have, like, a redfish been tagged here and end up in Texas or something like that? So the, the – I don't know if we still have it, but I had a triple tail right out from here. So you go about five miles south of that water tower that's in Louisiana mm-hmm. in October, which is usually when our stuff starts drying up. We tagged a, it was just under eight inch triple tail right there by Half Moon Island. Uh, technically, I guess that'd be St. Bernard Parish in between here and the, and the Biloxi Marsh. That fish swam all the way over to West Matagorda Bay, Texas. Holy cow. So. At the time, somebody probably has beaten it because this was years and years and years ago. Uh, it was the furthest documented travel, and it was the first one that ever they ever had go around the Mississippi River. Uh, I don't think it cut through Baptiste. You know? <laughs> had to go around the river. <laughs> but uh, we tagged it just under eight in October, and that guy, I can attest to that. I remember the fish. I remember the crew. I remember everything about it. Uh the guy that caught it, it was like 23, 23 inches. Ooh, like a 10-pound fish. More. Yeah. Wow. And how long was it at large? Uh, October to June. <laughs> oh, my God. That sucker rolled and ate and got fat. And uh, now all of it is on the other guy. I don't know the other guy. I never saw the fish when he caught it. But it's cool. And the coolest thing about that, the the young fellow that tagged it, I tracked, and it was a last-minute booking. I I tracked his dad down and I was like man was that guy and I wrote the name down wrong on the tag I I like messed it up totally messed it up Miss Diane she's like alright I'll fix it so she went back and put the right name in I found the guy I sent it to him and the guy so this was June this was months later this guy had thought of this, these people and I said man I got something from our trip that triple tail remember that little triple tail we tagged it got caught again in texas and i explained to him this is the most amazing thing ever i've got the 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 little printout you can get of the map and i'm going to send you some goodies he's like are you freaking kidding me my son had just decided to go into like marine biology and he's all gung-ho in this he goes 
I don't think you quite grasp how much this is going to put my boy over the moon. And it was like the per- you know, like the perfect storm of awesomeness. Um, so you probably I probably still hadn't forgotten about it. Oh hell no! <laughs> He's talk about it all the time. Every every year that thing pops up on my feed, I'm like, oh yeah, that was freaking awesome. That's cool. But yeah, you you get all kinds of cool returns. I got one fish in the bay, this redfish. I got one that I got to turn in right now. I caught in December. Yeah. And- but forgot, I need to turn it in. I got one in the bay. It's been caught four times. The same fish. Same fish? No, a lot of people fish in Bay St. Louis. Yeah. But he's a little rat red. He's about to get whacked because <laughs> he's, he's over 18 inches now. Somebody's going to get him. He's tagged four times. No, well, I, we tagged him. him. He's been recaptured and called in four times. That's crazy. Uh, but yeah, they. What about the redfish in your tagging? Like, have you seen them move to the other side of the river, or do you feel like they all stay? Or? I've had a few tagged in that marsh come in. Had a few. I had one in Ship Island go to like Perdido, but the That's good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I had one from Cat Island come over here uh, in a year. Now, where they go between there, but yeah. the good and the bad news with them reds, and it is an. It is not even even a uh, shadow of a doubt from tiny, from like 13 to 22 inches. If you catch him off that point, off whatever, you know, pass a loot, at least, I shouldn't say that, at least over here. If you catch that sucker in Bay St. Louis at 13 inches, 9.99 times out of 10 until that thing gets in his – Lower to mid twenty inch range, he's staying in Bay St. Louis, which is good because you know this: if you catch a bunch of small fish in that area, you're good for a little while. Or if you catch a bunch of legal fish and take them out of that area, you know, eighteen, nineteen, twenty inch fish, you're dwindling them. You're down. dwindling them. So uh, it's it's amazing and terrifying in the same in the same breath. But uh, it's cool, dude. I I, I cannot tell you recreational charter i don't understand the charter thing y'all should be tagging everything everything that goes yeah, back in that i water. feel the same way i think it's a little bit of just laziness and a habit but well. you, you you gotta develop other habits you gotta develop the habit and then it becomes an addiction yeah i can see it man i'm, I'm gonna get into it this year i'll like uh, going to. <laughs> yeah because pat pat with uh he does the tag louisiana thing and he's a it's a great does, site he's it's in a, a band and he's guide too and he's i mean he but the 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 one thing i was going to touch on that is the way that their app works it takes away a lot of the uh like you have to record the location yeah. and all and the uh the date that is already done in the so you won't it they 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 uh basically simplified even further no, no, no. to I, where you I, don't have to even do it as much i got like 1100 tagged through him okay so the app on it instead of having to record the location and the date and maybe who caught it right is already all done for you right i'm just saying pretty much listener, like right? i i would put who caught it in the comments section so like who caught it and then you also have to record like the length of the fish and stuff like that of mm-hmm. course. and there's a and the cool thing i will give it to them they have that cursor and the map mm-hmm. like that's that's a big problem like with the gcrl tags i've gotten in the habit and the ritual of doing it or i always 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 jot a note on the uh the card like if I'm fishing uh, Cat Island, South Bayou, I'll put CISB. 
just to just to because you get fish coming in sometimes you don't know exactly where they were right well you get you get overwhelmed yeah you, you, people catching them four at a time and i'm trying to tag everything that comes in i'll write a little note but his that tag louisiana site they've got a little cursor and a map and you can just lock it in on you know where you were fishing and here's the big thing lat long so if you put the east bay East Bay is freaking huge when you think about oh, it. Oh, it's giant. Yeah. So, or like Bay St. Louis. When when the the guys come for collections and the stuff we do with the lab, uh, I was jotting down something on it, and I was like, mouth of this. Bay. And he, he, he like swatted the pen out of my hand. He's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm putting the location. He goes, put the lat long. I was like, really? He goes, dude, we're using this for data. You can't be more precise than the – Degrees, lat the lat long. He says, think about it. You put Bay St. Louis, you got two rivers that emptied in here. You got several canals. You got bridges. Where the hell that's at? <laughs> right. There's so many variables. He says, no, put the lat long. Yeah. You know, move that cursor over a couple hundred feet. <laughs> Maybe. But, uh, no, but no I, I can't say enough about it, man. It, it, it's so cool and rewarding and uh, it's great to give back to the customers. You know, they spend a lot of money with us. Give them yeah, something. Give yeah. them something cool. Give them a memory. One of the um, interesting ideas, because through tagging some of these and uh, whatever, we've learned that triple tail grow extremely fast. Oh yeah. And uh, it seems like when there's a lot of them, there's a lot of them. But uh, talking to a friend the other day, one of the things that came up was like, what if we did like an uh, every other year harvest of certain species and this is just a uh, an idea to get some some people's brains turning out there but like for like triple tail you said in like a year an eight inch triple less than a year an eight inch triple tail went to be you know like a, a 12 pound eating fish oh yeah but if we're harvesting them every single year they never really have that time but I just kind of wanted your opinion do you think that that could help some of these species like if and like instead like like instead, like we had uh, like triple tails off this year, but you can do like redfish or, or mangrove snapper. And then the next year you give mangrove snapper a break and then like harvest, you know, the other one and try and I, switch them out. Like, and I'm shooting from the hip here because I, I yeah, this is a crazy I, idea, man. It is. Like, don't <laughs> and, I, and I think you got you need to go back to the to the thing uh, where once they take it, they seldom give it back. But that's what, yeah, that's the whole point of it. Kind of. Right, no, no, you're right. But um, I think Mother Nature is going to give you those scenarios. Like, we've had lousy triple tail years over on this side yeah. because of the spill. Well, it's not mother, it's man-made. But opening those spillways, you're you're done. This whole side over here, you got a better chance of catching uh, channel, you know, freshwater catfish than you do anything. Like the redfish can't even take it. It gets so fresh over here. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, you, you'll you have your good and bad years. I think it's cyclical. It's just part of it. Yeah. Part of it. Like our flounder's on the uptick right now. Yeah. It was terrible there for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, growing up, we never caught redfish like this. I, I Our red fishery is it's not Venice and Hopedale, but – I'll take it any day of the week. It's pretty good. It's pretty good, man. 
Yeah. Uh, now we're only three fish a person. I was going to ask plenty. you about that too, because a lot of the Louisiana fishermen think that um, the redfish are like showing a, a big decline, and the science has actually pointed to that as well. Yeah, and again, I think you know you can sit there and huff and puff about it. You start popping tags in fish, you start to real more see it. <laughs> right, um, especially. If it's rats or bull, you know, whatever. I, I think tagging the small ones is super important. Like, I seldom get fish back yeah. from bull reds. But those uh, those 13 to 20-inch fish, yeah, you get a lot of those. A lot of those back, yeah, because they stay around. And easier caught, I guess. You know, one thing I noticed listening to your podcast, it seems like the more veteran uh, – guide or angler or outdoorsman you have on here the more strongly they are against killing fewer fish yeah it's true and i think that needs to be uh that's one of the reasons i do it because like people people that haven't been fishing as long can listen to somebody like you and say they already it's almost it's almost like like if a deckhand were to start right now and he wants to be a captain He's got so much more things that will help him right. become a good captain than what, like, Kevin Beach or, like, what you had whenever you were growing up. You know what I mean? Like, you guys or Billy or whoever it is, like, I say it all the time. Like, nobody taught Kevin how to tuna fish, really. Ah. <laughs> you know what I mean? He just kind of went out there and start. And so you get to start from his 20 years of knowledge. I mean, not necess- you're not, like, you don't get all of it at right. one time, but you get – you things that help you and that and that's kind of what this podcast i hope does for the conservation is can listen to somebody like you say that like we used to do it like this but we realize right you know that ain't the way no or we need to change our mentality to this or we need to tag more fish or you know whatever it is that like people like you have whatever type of wisdom you want to add to the pile how we can all use it i'm 27 are you really yeah, <laughs> I started this when I was twenty, twenty-five, though, twenty-four. Good I Lord. I yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll be forty-six here in a few weeks. But like your your generation, I, I hate to say that because yeah, I, we are in a different generation. No, <laughs> it, it happens. But is it, a lot of those younger younger than me captains and guides are they kind of the same mindset as you or is it kill them all i think it's a mix man i think there's still a mix of people that have been doing it for a long time that still aren't on the the bandwagon of uh changing the mentality of your fishermen and you know trying to sell the experience especially in, in venice i think there's a lot of them that still hold on to you know that's what they pride themselves on you know what i mean that's what they it's the in all honesty it's it's a lot of it is ego and how do you kill somebody's ego? I'll yeah. let people kind of, you know. A, a narcissist and an outdoorsman is a terrible combination. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. But I can tell you this: we had to undo. We had to. We had to like unravel our business quilt, if you will, and sew it back together to get away from, num. You know, selling numbers and and pounds, and selling experience. Now, some days that experience is a it's box more, of fish. It's more uh, sellable. <laughs> but had I come into it in my early 20s selling the experience, now I'm, 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 our company does well, and we book way out, and I've been very fortunate and blessed working with some of the finest human beings you'll ever want to meet. 
But if we just started from the get-go with the business model we have now and the people we have today, be way better off. <laughs> Twenty boats. <laughs> I mean, it, it was it was just it's so easy, you know. Yeah, it's it so is so much easy and so stress. Dude. And I, you know what I think a lot of it comes from, too, is there's not enough of these guides that go on a guided trip for themselves. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever done that. But you start to realize, like, if you go on a guided hike in Montana or Colorado, you think everything's cool because you've never been there before. And I, dude, I, and you got to put yourself in that situation to realize what your clients really want. You know? I, I always tell people, you know, you ever want to not catch fish on a, on a booked charter? Book a charter – with me when I'm traveling. I've taken five. I've, really? I've goose egged four. <laughs> That's pretty solid. And all different. Look, Texas, Mexico, St. <laughs> Lucia, <laughs> Destin. For the most part, they were kind of touristy trap ones. The Texas one was really cool. I'm going back to that one. It just wasn't our day. The Destin one, I send that guy probably a dozen trips a year. He was just cool. We just had a cold front hit. I mean, yeah. it was one of those Cobia cruising trips. Yeah. It was awesome. Now, the one we hit on, and uh, Leje and all of them were on it. We all went to uh, Fort uh, Lauderdale to go learn oh, how Fort to Lauderdale? kite fish and swordfish. This really? This was in 06. Really? That's a cool trip. Awesome. So, who all went on this trip? Tell me about it. Was it was six of us. It was me. All right. Me, Avanzino, Leje, Leon. L dog, Lance was there, and uh, Crab. I don't even remember Crab. Andy. Andy who? Uh, he used to run with Daryl and Timmy Cuvion. Cook? That's not Andy Cook. Might be Cook. They call him Crab. I've never heard Crab before. He's funny. Anyways, pile y'all from Venice so go to Fort Lauderdale. I was here bulldozing houses, and Scott calls, and he's like, "Man, I heard you coming back. We're coming to get you. Let's roll." I, I was done. I was done here. I had to get back to the boat. I knew I was going to propose to my wife. And she's like, you you got to get away. You've been working seven days a week, chainsawing and tearing down houses. And So they came and picked me up. We drove, like, all day, all night, got down there, and it was, a, it was an Iron Man. We were going to do a night sword, a day kite fishing, and then another night of sword. And everybody was still dialing it in then. You know, oh, it was nothing back then. It is now. Nothing. Uh, so we got down there the first. The, the the drive, of course, was some of the best stuff. This is probably the time of your life. Huh? <laughs> Hilarious. I, you know, I've, sure. I've been you know tearing down just half my town, and then I get in the car with these idiots. You know, it was <laughs> awesome. So we get there, the wind's blowing, and we went with uh, Ray Rocher. And, okay. Uh, Boy, Alex was with us, kind of his understudy at the time. I think Alex is off doing other stuff. But Ray came and met us at the dock. Total class act. Um, and it was blowing. And we were like, Scott was like, I'm not turning these guys loose in Miami. You know, find me something to do. And the guy's like, man, I mean, you can go out to the jetties and catch snook and tarpon. And, that's, and we we're like. Hell yeah, let's go do that. <laughs> so he loads us up, and we're out there, and, you know, you'd scoop, like, shrimp and stuff from the from the deck lights while you're fishing. And we smoked them, man. We caught mangroves, and none of us had ever caught snook. We caught a bunch of snook. We caught a bunch of tarpon. Damn. 
not huge ones, but it it was cool. And on the way in, we're riding through. I guess that's Biscayne, maybe. I don't know. One of those back bays. Yeah. And the guy's like, "Man, uh, you know, you still got some time." We're like, "What you got?" And he goes, "Man, you could pitch under these docks for tarpon. You're never gonna catch them." But they go wild. And we're throwing pilchards up under these docks like we're bass fishing. These tarpon are just smoking. It was unbelievable. <laughs> I didn't want – that was the most fun. So we go in. This is a guided trip, too. Yeah. yeah. So we go in, get a couple hours of sleep, and we go back out the next morning and do kite fishing for sales with uh, on the Thomas Flyer, Jimbo and Rick. And – Dude, we are like a mile and a half off the beach, and it was April, and I think we caught like six sailfish, and they're apo- they are apologizing to us the whole time. Like, we are so sorry y'all came all this way, and it sucks. Like, what? And they're like, <laughs> man, you should be getting like 30 and 40 shots a day, and we're like, guy, we've never had six billfish collectively in our team in a day maybe not a week yeah (laughs) you just did it in three hours like this is the greatest day ever and that was awesome but then we got in got some dinner jumped back on ray rocher's boat and it it had calmed down and we went out i think he did like a four or five line spread for the swords really you'll fish five it was something crazy (laughs) <laughs> it was something just insane with buoys and with so much shit in the water. Oh, it was terrible. <laughs> but everybody was so exhausted and everything. And Scott is just running around, helping them, you know, run. The, and by the time he got the last line out, the first line got hit. And it was a, a little pup. And we got it in, and I got a cool picture of everybody holding it. It was barely legal. And we're like, all right. Let's go in and go hit the town. And Scott, <laughs> Scott's like, hey, you heathens, I paid for this. Y'all are staying out here, you know. And so I think everybody went to sleep. We never got another bite. <laughs> but it made up for those other four whiffs. Uh, I'm not kidding. Zero. Never caught a fish on four charters in four completely different locations. And uh, I thought we hit a grand slam on that one. Yeah, it was fun as hell. And sounds like a fun trip, man. I'm doing um, Mexican Gulf trips, going up to uh, uh, go hunting this weekend. Should be a good time. Where are we it's going? Like Ten or twelve of us. Cool. And uh, uh, where, where uh, Grenada up in Grenada <laughs> with uh, Jordan's brother. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, up that way. That's with the Brazzles. Yeah. You're gonna have a ball, man. Oh yeah, we've been the last two years. It's supposed to be cold time. too. Something about getting everybody together whenever they work so close together. You know, they know well, everybody I, so well. It's it's fun, man. I hope y'all don't hunt the entire time. <laughs> I hope y'all get to hang out. I'm pretty sure hunting. <laughs> Billy said it one year when we were up there. He's like, man, I didn't plan this trip out to shoot big deer. I can go shoot big deer. <laughs> they all have connections to. <laughs> any place they want to go hunt That's so it's, it's funny about, but it, no it, it and it i never really hunted until we started doing this trip and it made me realize what it's about it's not really about no. the hunting <laughs> it's really yeah. not it's just about going up there take and having pictures a good time. have some fun man yeah yeah Ugh. 
Well, we've done two and a half hours now, man. Are you is kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good Lord. It goes quick. Um, Is there any other stories, anything else you want to add about conservation? Is there anything else? I don't want to cut you off, man. Um, It's a great podcast. I had a lot of fun. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you one crazy story. All right. So, um, you reminded me when you said Al Walker. Uh, we got hired one time. This is, I don't know. You can chop this story up if you need to. We got hired one time to go tag whale sharks years ago. Jim Franks, we had a mutual friend and Captain Mike's wife. She's like, man, Sonny keeps saying they're catching these tuna off whale sharks. So he, first time I met him, he calls. He's like, I heard you're the guy. I was like, ah, I mean, I don't know where they're at. You just, you know what I'm saying? You just kind of run into them. Yeah. And we were seeing them mostly between, between like, uh, what is that, 109, Cognac, Moxie. Moxie. Moxie's still there? Yeah, Moxie and the Medusa. Kind of on the shelf right yeah. there. And uh, he says, we want to hire you for a couple of days to go tag them. I was like, hey, I don't want to lie to anybody. We just kind of run into these things. It's It's not – something you can predict he's like well you're the best shot we got can you get us some divers to tag them when you when you, we find them they rigged up the spear guns with the sat tags yeah the pop-off things yeah I called al and al's like all right he goes you really just gonna ride around and look for these things I'm like, well, man they're paying that's what they want to do give them what they want he says how many days i said three weather's good i said weather's perfect hire a plane I was like, God, dog it, that's smart. <laughs> and we hired a plane. So we're coming out, uh, Tiger Pass. Plane comes over us uh, before we Where'd y'all find a plane to do that? Southern Seaplanes. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah, made the day. <laughs> so called the guy. I was like, look, we'll be on this channel. We're leaving. We'll be here at this time. It was really weird how well this worked for <laughs> – all the stars came together. It was unbelievable. So, yeah. look. So, we're barely clearing the river. He flies over. He's like, that's y'all in the blue top, twin V, whatever. He's like, yep, gives us the wing wave. And I said, look. And we kind of – our plan was to kind of go, like, to one West Delta 152. We're going to make a run. And we're going to run the shelf all the way back to, like, 109 and then come in South Pass. And uh, – I said, can you kind of go that area and fly it? We'll be on this channel. Let us know. And, dude, he passed us, and it was like – it seemed like five minutes later. He goes, all right, I found a uh, big old school of them. And up until then, I'd only seen, like, two or three. Normally you see one. <laughs> yeah, normally you see one, right? And I'm like, you know, covering up the radio, like, ow, who is this guy? And he's like, man, he's good. He knows me. And I'm calling him back, and I was like, that's got to be Dolphins. Said, how many you got? He goes, I don't know, twenty or something. I maybe, I don't know, fifteen or twenty. I was like, oh, this guy, this guy, this guy. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> and I said, man, I, I'm not being difficult, and I know you got a better view than me. I said, are you sure? You you know what you're looking at? He goes, yeah, twenty, thirty foot fish with you know white dots, white stripes. I was like, holy crap. I said, where are you at? He called out the lat long, plugged it in. Sackett Bank, you know, the midnight lump. He's on the top of it. I was like, this. On the top of the midnight top lump? Top of the midnight lump, <laughs> which is like the right closest. Right next to 143, right there. Yeah, closest to, 
we, we didn't waste any time. Boom, we get right there, sure enough. Oh, How the many? plane the plane was done. He's, he's like, gone. He's dude. gone. How many of them was it? Sixteen. And I think look, and I think we found another three away from that pod. Damn, that's so cool. No, no, no. This gets wild. So we're in that thirty six twin V. They're just running into the side of it, just all over the unbelievable. place. Unbelievable. Like they wouldn't even get out and shoot them with the tags because you could pet them. We were petting them all day. They were just like just putting them right in there. Yeah. Drive by. So we tagged. They got rid of all their side tags. They had some other little like banner type. Jim tags. Franks was on the boat. Oh yeah. That's so cool. Oh no no no. I mean, he was just on my podcast. He's my last one. So there's a Merc layer, and there's Bonita everywhere, and that that plays a part into the end of this. So we run out of tags, run out of measuring, run out of everything to do. And uh, Jim goes, man, what do you think's under this Merc layer? So Al jumps in. We, you know, Al had to earn his keep. He jumps in. We kind of drift down a little bit. He's down two seconds. He pops back up. And Al's a pretty laid back, fearless guy. He screamed, get me in, get me in. Very un-Al Walker-esque. And he's getting, like, kicked, you know, shoved. I was like, holy crap. He, like, walks back into the boat over water. He's like, fucking dusky. There's dusky sharks everywhere. I'm like, really? He goes, there's, there's 300 underneath us. I'm like, no way. He goes, I ain't going back in. <laughs> they were they were right under the Merc layer. Well, what it was, the whale sharks were there feeding on spawning right. spawning bonita. On they were, we did the little plankton net. Yeah, it was full of bonita larvae. So Jim had this spool of like quarter inch rope. He goes, man, can you catch one of those bonitas? Yeah, threw a little jig over, threw one in. He says, I want to see these duskies. So we just tied it to the rope and eased it over the side. And before we could do anything, we should we forgot to clean it off. Yeah. The spool takes off in the you know like like free spooling in the boat, brand new. We cut the plastic off it. Spool of whatever, hundred yards of this yellow poly, and it's bouncing all over the boat like ding 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 ding. ding. In between us, over us, if it would have wrapped you up, Al said they were like 300-pound duskies under us. Whatever. So it had grabbed the bonita that we tied to it, and it's just steadily... Wrapping itself up on it? <laughs> no, it's it wouldn't tangle into anything, thank God. But it's like between our legs, under us. Oh, everybody, Wherever you ran, the spool chased you. Oh, okay. So we're screaming and yelling and pushing people around and trying not to die. And finally, you know, unfortunately, the, the end of it got there and it, it shot out of the boat, you know, like Jaws type stuff. And he was like, yeah, we should have thought that thought that through. <laughs> and it was like, let's just, let's just go in. You know, we almost killed Al twice. <laughs> so fast forward, you know, like I told you, long story. Years later. I see Jim. I'm going to uh, Guy Harvey opened a restaurant or something down at a hotel in Tampa. Mm-hmm. A store, a Guy Harvey store. 
and it was a, it was a fisheries conference, and I got to go to it. And here comes Jim Franks walking down the tarmac at the Gulfport Airport. I was like, look at this guy. <laughs> He's like, man, you going to that thing? I was like, yeah. It was me and my wife. First time me and my wife had been out since my, our little girl had been born, like six, seven, eight months. I'm in meetings all day. She's down at the pool at the beach or whatever. And the and Guy Harvey was there giving talks on everything. He walks up, or she walks into the last meeting. There's like hundreds of people in this in this auditorium or whatever the hell we were in. And it's hard to miss Dr. Jim. You know, he's seven yeah. feet tall. He walks over. He's like, man, what'd you think? I was like, oh, really informative, cool stuff. And I could see uh, Dr. Harvey getting mobbed in the corner and uh, talking to Jim. And, and uh, I said, man, what's he like? He goes, guy? I said, yeah. I said, pretty cool dude. He goes, you want to meet him? I said, man, I came all this way. Why not? And my wife was walking in. And I was like, is it cool? He goes, yeah, 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 yeah. And he walked up. And, the, and like, Dr. Harvey, like, pushed everybody out of the way to get to Dr. Jim. They're like best buds. And he walks, oh, Jim, you know, in that South African, oh, Jim, Dr. Frank. And Jim walks up and goes, this is him. And, like, points to me. This is the guy. And look, he goes, (laughs) Captain Sonny, Captain Sonny. And my wife's like, are you freaking kidding me? And I was like, "Uh, pleasure to meet you, Dr. Harvey. He goes, oh, you're whale sharks. Oh, you. They had found, they Use that info to track them down to Isla Mujeres, and they found like hundreds and hundreds of them spawning down there. Really? But for that three, but that s- research helped do that. And it got me a couple points with my, with my wife that she thought <laughs> I was some important guy there for a minute. But uh, it was cool. It, that that whole experience. That was the first stuff me and Dr. Jim ever did together. We've done. Dribble That's tail so cool. and flounder and drum and sheep. We've done all kinds of stuff together. I love talking to him. He was a, a real joy to One talk to. One of a kind, man. I will say, because I wanted the listeners to know that I, I don't feel like the podcast did him justice. Because I, I don't know. I, I feel like I have a lot of really hard questions, like some of the stuff we talked about today. And I, I would like, to, hopefully, he gives me opportunity to do it again. I would. I let it, I would like him to talk more freely. No, he's 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 one of the good ones. Yeah, he's he straight is. shooter. Very passionate about what he does. And and smart, but he's you know he gets out there. You know he's he's been on the boats. He's he, he's just he's just a cool freaking dude, man. He is, man. He really is. Mm. Something something to that too, because he you know he he likes he likes to talk to fishermen. He likes using fishermen yeah. for their knowledge and stuff. It's really it's cool. Never heard a bad thing. Follow that band's name. No, I don't think so. No. <laughs> well, cool, man. I can't thank you enough, enough, Captain Sonny, uh, for coming out here. Is there anything you would like to plug where where people can find you? Um, yeah, we're pretty easy. Shorethingcharters.com. Shorethingcharters.com, guys. Y'all can find them. Book a trip. Um, you guys got your social media or anything? Yeah, we're on we're on Facebook and Instagram. Um, can I give the the shout outs? Let's do it. Uh, Okuma, they've been very good to us. Uh, the Boathouse, Sport Trail, Atlantic Marine, Blind Tiger, Shaggies, uh, Oakley, uh, Mississippi Tourism and Development, Coastal Mississippi, Dr. Don and Katie Gaddy. You know. If I forgot you, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm cold. <laughs> I've been out here all morning with Paul. Uh, 
but no, man, and, and our short thing guides, man, and, and their and their families. Just wonderful, wonderful people. All right, guys, y'all have heard it. If you want to come fishing here on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, be sure and hook up with Sure Thing Charters. Can't thank you enough, Sonny. Awesome, y'all have a good one. Thanks again.